You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Talk Recorded live. My hotel. My power. Beautiful VA. What to do out there tonight, family? You know, the ground radio. This is your brother, Boy. Slaughterhouse Saturday. We come to get it in. You know what it is. Of course, we're going to give praise to the ancestors, though. A little praise Nat Turner, Glory to Garvey, along with the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad, praise Harriet Tubman, Glory to Ida B. Wells, and long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Hamer. What they do out there tonight, family, mind on up, get it on there. You know it's Slaughterhouse Saturday, who's still betraying the African Revolution. You know we came in after John Henry Clark with a splash of that of the great Dr. Amos Wilson, you know. So tonight we're going to get it in. We're going to be dealing with a, the falsification of African consciousness. A nice program theme, though, is how religion negatively shapes the new African consciousness out here. So let me open up my chat room, get everything set up. Get my host in here, my co-host in, and everything. We rock this thing off nice for y'all tonight. See here. Get this thing together. Yeah. Everything opening it up. So here, here we go. We got we got it open. You know, we're going to put in a couple things real quick. A little bit to put in because we're going to touch the taste of a lot of different things. So, you know, uh, we want to go to the elder first, not the John Henry Clark. And let me let me get to let me get to this quote real quick by Dr. John Henry Clark. So we're gonna get it in nice tonight. You understand? We got a, a lot of things on our plate, but we definitely want to deal with you know how how these religions of perversion have set a trap in our people's minds that they need these um these guidelines shaped by Europeans in this moralistic. Uh, this type of morality and um, theology that has been shaping by the Caucasian in order to benefit them, you know what I mean, to keep us in uh, a state of confusion because at the end of the day, you will find yourself 
co-opt in your mission because you will find brothers for the sake that you would have to take in in order for you to to uh, uh, to to be one who is a practitioner of such certain things. So you know how I do. The fuck with people, you know, I people minds is all ravaged, not really knowing which way to turn. And when looking into this red, black, and green, looking to gain the BB for Hodier, there are a lot of chains and shackles that we got to shake off. And one of the first chains and shackles we have to shake off is any European uh, uh, concept of what religion is and their ideology of what religion is. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to start off on uh, this is Education for a New Reality in the African World. Uh, this speech was given at um, National Alliance of Black Educators, New York, New York, November 19, 1985. Uh, it starts off with my subject, Education for a New Reality in the African World was not easily chosen. I've spoken on this subject or some aspect of it many times over the years. I've exhausted my arguments in favor of the subject without losing my passion for the subject. Certain local events, certain recent events in the world have renewed my anger over the subject. We still do not understand the importance of education because education is power. When education is properly done, education opens the door for power. One of the things that we fail to understand is that our oppressor cannot afford to educate us. We live in a society where if we are properly educated, we will not ask for power. We will take power. We have to locate African people on the map of human geography. We have to stop answering by names that our mothers and fathers did not give, give us. We have to stop answering to names of which we are not. And we just have an emphasis on that statement right there. Stop answering to names of which we are not. Um, there is no real. There is a real crisis facing black educators. This crisis began a long time ago with things we did not understand. I think in reading about a scene of an African being forced on a slave ship, and he reached back and puts a handful of African dirt in his mouth. I think he understood more about education more than most of us understand. He understood the basis of a nation land. Until we understand the land basis of education and the nation and the nation basis of education, we will miss the point. Now, where we have to go looking at education is to what extent our approach to education went wrong, and to when we stop being innovators and becoming imitators. That basically is what this speech is all about. So that's what we're going to be dealing with a little bit of that tonight. Tonight's subject, you know. Uh, how 
religion negatively shaped the new African consciousness. So we're going to move on from there. But that, that was a piece, as I said, that was from, um, out of Dr. John Henry Carter's book, Who Betrayed the African World Revolution and Other Speeches, uh, page 128. Um, Black Power out there, family, and BB48. Maybe for Black power. Black power. What it do out there tonight, family? Damn it! It's a hundred and six in California, man. It's hot as a hotter than fish grease, man. Hundred and six. Hundred and six degrees. My. My people was down south, said it was 130 degrees. And what? Yeah, 106 sounds good compared to 130. 130? Yeah. Where the hell they at? There's a second. Father King was exaggerating. <laughs> you remember that earlier when, uh, when the King was talking about he trying to take the heat? Oh, okay. God damn. That's that's heat. <laughs> that's some heat. Y'all get used to it though. I mean you get used to it. I know that I know you do because you know I lived there, I seen people doing stuff during that heat and I was like, oh, that's ridiculous, but you get used to it. My uh, right. excellent so topic. I think you gotta you know. Excellent topic from tonight, man. Excellent topic. Yeah, you know, family, we, you know, we're shaping it after, you know, after going through what we've been through over these, um, over some hundred shows and things of that nature and listening to other shows and just, not even shows, just listening to other people's information. Strive to become informed where we can take that information um, go and back check it and become knowledgeable about subject. And we've we've seen a, a theme that is still prevalent and that has not lost its steam, and that is the um, religious uh, religiosity or the religious mishaps of our family in their in their um I guess in their scholastic approach to understanding what they're dealing with. You know, and I I would say maybe it might be uh a thing of emotional tie or something of that nature, but I think that our people are having uh, a hard time with shaking the need to have to have a um a comforter a backdrop to fall back on when one situation is not going right, not having their, their own, you know, not having their ancestors to fall back on, but have to have a foreign ancestral doctrine to fall back on because they have yet to find the strength in their own. And, you know, it, it's... Um, 
uh, a very timely topic. So, you know, let's move forward right on in, into it. So, Sister Camille, Black Power, what's going on out there? That's you. Uh, Black Power family, um, I got a soundtrack tonight in the background, so I'll be muting, you know, when I'm not um, contributing to the dialogue. All right, Black Power. Black Power. But, yeah, uh, Brother Makerai, how you, want, how you want to take this? But, you know, that was a uh, good opening by Dr. John Henry Clark. I wanted to, you know, put that in by Dr. Clark, you know, because we want to keep this on on the quality of the education. Um, I, wish brother, I wish Brother Cause was. Did Brother Cause on the line? Not, not as of this as of this moment. Yeah, he'll be coming in in one in one moment. Yeah. Brother, brother Cause was um he he contextualized the topics for tonight in regards to you know certain behavior patterns we notice in in certain individuals. Um, certain individuals who um you know want want to have uh, platforms and mediums to dialogue and debate over certain African topics. But oftentimes, when 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 you hear them, you see, you know, you get the listening, and you see how far they're away they are from the truth. And it's ironic because, as as as, as Brother Carl was pointing out, we have an ancestor who dealt with this, um, Amos Wilson, who dealt with the falsification of the African consciousness. And one of the modes or one of the vehicles that's used to falsify that African consciousness. Is the is the vehicle of religion? Is the vehicle of religion? And to make it very plain for individuals, I hear a lot of static in the background. What's going on? Okay, thank you. Now, to make it very plain, when we say, "What are the negative effects of religions on African consciousness?" And in hope of rebuilding a new African consciousness, let me make it in very, very plain terms. What are the effects of Neanderthal mythologies on African consciousness? It's always important to start off with questions for why we even decided to go into this topic. You know, what is an African consciousness? What is education? What is religion? Who... You know, from what perspective is religion coming from? What is the historical reference of that religion? What is the history of the individual receiving that religion? How are the two in sync? Are the two in sync? You see what I'm saying? To get you to understand it in a very, 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 very basic overview, Neanderthals. When you pick up the the Bible, that is a book. That is a Neanderthal creation story. When you pick up the Quran, that is a Neanderthal creation story. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. How? Now, why Why am I putting that fashion? Well, well, you have to know something about history. Oftentimes, people who stand firmly on the shoulders of religion, people who drive the vehicle of religion... Don't know history outside of that religion. 
or before that religion. It's hard to convert an individual who has a thorough knowledge of history and self. You see this point I'm making? If we know that the first human being on the planet was the African, and we know that according to fossil records and archaeology that there are no Neanderthals in Africa, and that the African has been on the planet millions of years, and this Neanderthal just popped up on the scene, why are we taking Neanderthal creation stories and making them reality? What are the effects of the, on the mind and the psyche? The first, the first, okay, go ahead, brother boy. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Sarah. I'm, I'm going to add one when you finish. Go ahead. Okay. What are some of the direct effects that you can notice? You're going to see confliction. You're going to see confusion and when they should align themselves with this side and when they should align themselves on this side. It's funny because both both of these religions limit the talk of politics. You can't talk politics in the in the in the mosque, brother. And you can't talk politics in the church, am I right? No, yeah, they, they keep that out of there. As a matter of fact, in America that's it's almost illegal to talk politics as a church inside the church. It's basically against the law. Now, the problems affecting black people are social, political, economic, and in, in, in root, right? Mm-hmm. When we look at the basis of problems that are affecting us and the modes that are used to control and affect us, it's being used in a social, political, and economic fashion, right? So our problem is not one of spirituality and of morality. It's one of social, it's one of social depravity. Economic uh, 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 depravity. You see the point I'm making? Yeah, and yeah, if, uh-huh. yeah. And if the one place that you have to gather people together is a church or a mosque, and if they're spending more energy begging than they are talking about the problems, then you're going to have a 50, 40, 30, 25 year problem still lingering because no one's pra- approaching it, because no one's allowed to approach it. That's right. That's right. You're right about that. You know, that's 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 the not me, but and that is the ideology that has been set through the theology is that one must ask someone else. You always have to, you know, you always, as you say, you begging always somebody else to to give you reprieve or justice. Now, brother boy, can I can I prove what I'm saying? Yes. When you look at oftentimes some of these people who are they are in red, black, and green. They they don't they aren't red, black, and green. They're in it, meaning it's a costume. They they put it on, they take it off, right? Mm-hmm. You can see conflictions. You see what I'm saying? You're gonna see confusion. Can I prove it? Yes. To individuals who are high religious like. The black Hebrew Israelites, some some of people who are my family who may be black Muslims, black Christians, right? Why are they so much in tune with red, black, and green news? And why are they, why do they want to be seen with us? Why do they want to debate us? Because they can't talk 
They they can't talk the way they want to talk at in the congregation at the church. You see what I'm saying, Brother Boy? Mm-hmm. It's not allowed. Yeah. So instead of them wanting to clean house at the church, you need to be talking to your pastor. So your pastor can get you a venue set up where you can debate and you can have dialogues with the black people and it's not offending nobody and it's at a nice church setting or it's at a nice mosque setting. But that ain't going to happen. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They, because it's, it, they can't talk politics at the mosque. You can't talk not, not real politics. Because the mosque that you go to or the church that you go to ain't all black. Mm. You, you, you make a salat next to an Arab, a Pakistani, uh, 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 various individuals who are not African. But the problems you face, like Malcolm X said, you're not being punished because you're a Baptist. You're not being punished because you're a Catholic. You're not being punished because of the education that you have or the money that you have. You're being oppressed because of your African descent and your African history. And, you know, one of the things that you just stated, though, that is, is very um, uh, is very slanted towards the Islamic side is the mannerism that you will go to a mosque and you would have these other people, these other nations inside that place. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, you have these other nationalities. You know, you could... You can uh, find a couple of black churches where you can have all, you know, the majority are it'll be a hundred percent black population. But the one, the one thing that is definite about a mosque, almost a hundred percent of the time, you will have uh, Arab, Pakistani, Indians will be in that mosque and in positions of some type of power or delegation. I wanted to. I want Sister Camille. Do you happen to have that uh, Amos Wilson falsification of African consciousness? There was something about historical amnesia that we were speaking on, and I wanted you to touch. Ashe. Yeah, uh, Dr. Amos Wilson um, really shows in this work how being a historical, uh, how not knowing our history um, sets us up for manipulation in European mythology, to believe in European mythology, i.e. lies as the truth, like their religion of perversion that they have forced upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, just give me a moment while y'all uh, converse. I'm going to pick out some uh, interesting uh, uh, selections from this work. All right. Well, yes, as, as, you, as we're going through this, though, it is, it is um, particularly troubling, the, as we say, the back and forth that our people are having. You know what I mean? Especially when we're dealing with, you know, like we're dealing with religion, man. We're dealing with 
religion and then moving forward in African consciousness. And African consciousness nowadays is consistent of those who waving the flag of the red, black, and green. And so this flag is something that is being reshaped and reformulized in the sight, the mind, and the style of those who are of today. So we look back onto our ancestors and we step on their shoulders and move forward. There was a, a quote, though, of Sister McKee out there that she, that she had. Sister McKee, are you on the line? I'm saying, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Queen. Okay. This is from um, the African Origins of Biological Psychiatry um, by Dr. Richard King. It says, the transformation of African mental slaves into Africans with self-mastery is a worldwide process of returning to a formative history and records of the past achievements, not to copy exact duplicates, but to reclaim that which is of value and which can still be used with modifications in today's world. And that's the um, the end of that quote. Say, and that's the and that is the purpose for you know that should be the purpose and the driving goal for any for uh anyone on these airways bringing forth information to the family is that we look back into history, we ascertain the value, the African value of it. You know, we look into it and see what what can it do and what will it do for our future. You know, modify it, tweak it, and move forward. You modify it, you tweak it, you move forward. This is why now in this day and time, see, they uh, a lot of people are stuck into the mold that we have to do that which our elders did exactly. But they lived in different day and times, and we must account for that. So we don't have time to look to our ancestors and put them into the role of deity, you know what I mean? And that's what most people want to do. They want to deify the ancestors of this instead of putting them into their proper ancestral role as as one who brought forth you valuable information, you know what I'm saying, a valuable perspective and outlook on exactly what society was then, and so you can have an idea of what you need for it to be in the future. Okay, um, Brother Bourne, you know, um, after reading uh, most of this work again today, um, I don't know how, for me, I can't separate um, religion and the African consciousness because of its effect on it, because of its use as a tool of manipulation, as a tool on bringing on historical amnesia. And the beautiful thing is he shows how uh, time or your lack of sense of your time or your, your time of your people in world history also uh, messes with your psyche. And I, um, I'd just like to share this part here. Um, 
he says here, uh, Dr. Amos Wilson on page 25, we have to recognize that European history writing is an institution the way any other discipline is an institution. And the function of institution in any oppressive society is to maintain the status quo. I don't care what institution we may be talking about, whether we are talking about the family institution, the criminal justice institution, the economic institution, the religious institutions. And that's why I wanted to share this quote, the religious institutions, the health establishment, the educational institutions, they all have one thing in common in a Eurocentric oppressive society, to maintain the status quo and to maintain African people in oppression. Black power. And to take it a step further, when we talking about we talking about psychology to some extent. And when we talk about psychology, we talking about behaviors, and we're talking about personalities and attitudes. What are some of the personalities and attitudes that accompany with a falsification of African consciousness? As Sister Camille beautifully just spoke on the denial of history or an amnesia of history or a lack to recall certain important aspects of history which can shape your personality. We're talking about producing strong African children with strong African personalities and attitudes. How can we achieve this? Everything must be African-centered or centered around Africa. Everything has to be in an African perspective. Why? Because we're talking about producing African attitudes. To take an African and and give them the mythology of any people is to give them the personality of that people, which is to incarnate that mindset or that type of consciousness in a people. That's what's going on right now. Most religious people, they lack to recall the beginning of time Due to historical amnesia, we have African people who are saying that they came from the, you know, Adam was the first man on the planet. You have African people worshiping and idolizing a Neanderthal creation story. What are the personalities and attitudes that are, are, are developed from that type of belief? a defense mechanism for that history and for that culture. A defense mechanism so strong that when you mention elders, they will they will attack those elders in a self-serving way to convey their point across. Also, like, I, when I went off Cyrus, but couldn't y'all. Go ahead, Queen. Go ahead, Queen. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I was about to say, also with the creation story, I know what it was for me when I first heard about it. You know, I heard that that, because Eve ate the apple, that's why I got to die at five, four, five years old. So I'm mad as hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, why the fuck I got to die because this bitch done ate an apple? You know what I'm saying? So, right. I mean, just me thinking back on it like that, that can actually make you have hate. You know what I'm saying? Feeling like, you know what I'm saying? The woman is, um, I guess, evil. Mm-hmm. 
that develops. Now, what's the right, 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 right? Thank that, that's a good point. Now, in that in that same creation story, like just uh, um, like I said, uh, uh, the creation story says that women are the the origin of sin. What is the attitudes and personalities that are shaped around that type of mythology teaching? A dis a what a uh, 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 a hatred towards women. A situation where women have a place that they must abide by. You see what I'm saying? The mythology is a myth, but the behavior makes it real. The personality makes it real. Why? Because the motherfucker's practicing this myth. That means that they're living in a they are living in a state of denial because they will deny the state of the reality in hopes that heaven will soon come or that this deity will split the sky. And that's fine if the deity split the sky, but in doing so, you're going to wait and deny reality now? They ask you for solutions because they have none to produce. They ask you what you're doing because they're not doing nothing. My grandma said, you never speak your good deeds in public. When you do, you get them. When you pay attention to the people who keep up with you, you're going to get lost. You just, you need to just do you. But see, when you are living vicariously out, when you're living your whole life vicariously out through a myth, you, to some extent, you are crazy. Especially if the myth history isn't even centered around you. To see some of these brothers out here promoting promoting their religion in our uniform is very, 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 very I mean, it's not I'm not surprised, not at all. Not at all. Well but it really speaks and then it really speaks they really confess their ignorance and their lack of history. And then I'm not going to say that them niggas not ignorant. I'm going to say them niggas have a selective memory. They pick and choose what they want to hear. If you see that, in this, see, if you give them the history and origins of that myth, they don't want to hear that. They're going to say we need to come together. But they can't tell you on what grounds. And we go into the details of this relationship because every relationship has details, right? And there has to be, as Brother Little said, there has to be we in a position to punish motherfuckers. So what you know? So if the relationship or, or the bond don't last long, we should be in a position to punish you, and we, be, we and we should be able to say what the problem is. So let me make it very short and sweet. What, like Brother 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 Born said, we we're waving this red, black, and green flag. Red, black, and green, right? Red, black, and green. Why? Because we know the minute we allow, look what the Hebrew niggas did. If we let if we let a few of you Muslim niggas in, if we let a few of you Arab, I mean a few of you Christian niggas in, we gonna know eventually an Arab gonna pop up, or a white person gonna pop up, and you gonna say, "Oh, this brother's all right. He okay, man. He he's straight, man. This is brother. He he know the faith, but he ain't part of the nation." Like power. Like power.
And to just add on to that from Dr. Amos Wilson, when history is misperceived and we look to white Jesus and we pray to white Jesus, then walk out and see the poverty, smell the stench, see the drugs, people holding babies up to shield themselves from bullets, and all this kind of stuff. It's not difficult for us to step over a thin line that says, boy, we must have done something really terrible in the past for us to be suffering the way we do. As much as we pray to Jesus for us to be suffering the way we do, God must have cursed us, we surmise. Then we're ready for the old ham mythology. We set we set ourselves up and we interject inferiority into ourselves. We take it into our breasts and pass it on to our children and we are done in. Black power. Black power. Ain't that the argument of the uh, black uh, uh, Israelites? We we mm-hmm. did this to ourselves. We did something horrible in the past. Mm-hmm. Let's see. They teach you them stories when you're young as a child. So deep down, you don't know how emotionally conviction that person may have for that mythology because you don't know how early it was when they was a child. They were taught it. You know what I mean? You'll be able to see that when you, you know, you're going you're gonna to always live on the foundational principles you was taught. And if your foundational principles was taught that we were created in sin. <laughs> and the originator of that sin was your mama. You're going to be, you're going to have a fucking attitude I'm doing from the start, right? And that's kind of, you know, that's and, and in order for you to get there, you got to beg for forgiveness. What are you begging for, really? What did you do? What were you created to do? You were created to fail. See, the mind, you know, the mind going to think on its own. So people, people you know, people... You know, why is people always got to put the, the doubt in your mind that this God is not in favor with you? So God created you so he can have something to complain about, right? We don't have time to analyze that time. We don't even need children fucking with that type of shit. We need children, we need children, African children, who, who know that they're, you got a clean slate, youngster. You ain't born no motherfucking sin. Yo, 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 scribe is just writing down your shit now. Your shit is just starting. You see what I'm saying? We don't need no philosophy or no ideology telling our innocent black African babies that they doing from the start. That's the beginning of self-hatred. That's the beginning of self-hatred. That's the beginning of self-worthlessness. That's the beginning of self-confusion. Right there. You don't know where you stand in the eyes of your creator. You don't know if he want to bless you or damn you. And it's that conditioning that also leads to you uh, rejecting history, rejecting your history, you know. And I I love his breakdown of history because that – 
studying our own history, history, as the brother so beautifully breaks down, is also how we uh, learn who we are, our personality, and also that of the European, Cracker Beach, right? Uh, the brother breaks down, we should look at history more accurately as psychohistory, meaning the psychological result of undergoing certain historical experiences. We as individuals are our history. We don't leave history behind. History is the present. History is the future. Those of us who are Afrocentric know that the division must know that the division of past, present, and the future is false. Eurocentric and political. The world is not a linear structure. Past, present, and future are one and the same. When we have been made to believe that the past is separate and in some straight line with the future, then, we, then we've already been brainwashed and set up. Our past never forgets us and is never left behind. If you forget your past, you would not be able to understand me right now. You would not be able to walk or talk. You did not learn to walk or talk and do the things you are doing at the moment you entered here. You learned to do them in the past. Forget that then. Love how he breaks that down for those who want to uh, denounce the studying of your history, you know, and denounce the effects of our past history on us right now, psychologically, Black Power. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? And let me just add that other part that he said. Forget that did. Since that is history, leave that behind. You will see that you have also no future. Past, present, and future are one. And the proposition is at and that proposition is at the center of an African centered history and approach. Black power. Black power. Black power. And then touch on to that. To add one by Doctor by Doctor Clark. Seeing as those have no respect for what the elders had to state. And when we're dealing with this red, black and green that red, black, and green, when we're dealing with that, when we're dealing with that, I've stated something that is um, inherently African about it, and that's just right here. Prior to interference by foreigners, fakers, and fools, African societies were based primarily on the structure of the family. In many ways, large African families had the structure of a miniature state with the built-in judicial systems and customs that were stronger than than law. Now, this is the purpose of us having that. See, then, then you don't need, you know, you don't need the, you don't need um, nobody else's fairy tales and fables. You go back to the structure of your of your home because what we're trying to build is not a fictional place. We want, we need to build a new African nation. So when you're starting to build a nation, your nation can't start with dogma. It can't start with, with uh, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. It can't start with that. It can't start with nothing like that. That's just not going, uh, that's not going to work for a properly structured nation. It's going to take a properly ran family 
was going to take a property ran neighborhood and then that's going to run to a property ran nation. And, and only saying that, meaning that we're going to have to uh, learn political, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, responsibility for ourselves. You know what I mean? Because some of these things are irresponsible to even say uh, as an African period. It's irresponsible, it irresponsible for us to, uh, if you practice one of these um, religions of perversion, it's irresponsible in 2015 to be someone that says that they're conscious and still try to uh, pass that along to other people. It's irresponsible. If you still caught up in it and you can't shake it loose, it's irresponsible to pass that sickness and virus on to somebody else. Yeah, it's yeah, I agree, Brother Born. But it's like we're not going to you we're not going to your churches or your mosques and telling and saying, Hey man, us, you know, talking derogatory about your religion. But it's y'all that's coming into our venues. And then when we choose not to fuck with y'all, we can tell you why. That's crazy. You gonna for that's the same thing crackers do. They're going to force their way on us, even, you know what I mean? We don't know. Even when you don't want to be bothered. Even when you want to be bothered. We don't, we don't, we don't, we, we made our business. We don't even, we don't even go to church. We don't go to mosque. We don't even deal with religious people, but the religious people come fuck with us. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But no, it's not crazy. Because when you, when you are sociopaths have to bend everybody to their reality. So they must take everybody with them to this fantasy trip. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. You say everybody wants to believe that the, that the moon is made of cheese. And, and the further that point goes on, uh, the physical. <clears throat> this from Dr. John Harry Clark, too, who betrayed the African, Revo- Re- African world Re- uh, revolution. One of the ways of enslaving you, hold on, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go to the paragraph right before that, page 130. The physical competition diminished as the slave trade turned into colonialism, another form of slavery. And the Africans also noticed the missionary effort was also a form of slavery. The Europeans began to take away the African energies and begin to destroy the African images of God. One of the ways of enslaving you after, after they remove one set of chains and put the chains on the mind is to not only change your religion, but also to make you abandon your religion, make you change your dress and to laugh at your gods. Once you change to their gods, their dress, their taste, their music, their food, they don't need any prison walls after that. They've got prison walls more binding because the prison wall is inside of your mind. And once we face Dang. the reality, oh, oh, excuse, well, I, I, I want to go just one more paragraph. And once we face the reality of the imprisonment of the African mind in the 19th century, we will face up to what was happening to that mind. We will look at the black convention movement, look at the debates between blacks and blacks, and look at the blacks going to Liberia to Christianize and heathen brothers read Alexander Crumble's work. Alexander Crumble was a great black missionary, but Alexander Crumble was a missionary with the mentality of a white missionary. 
he was going to spread Christianity in a continent where every element that went originally into the making of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism began. All of it started in Africa, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And this goes along with what our brother Mekhemar always espouses, especially to the Muslim brothers that listen. There are, much, there are uh, Islamic sects. Uh, you know, I mean, there are African sects of Islam that uh, totally have their own makeup of what Islam is to be and how they practice this thing. You know what I'm saying? Which is a un, uh, which is an unairized style of practice. So now, if you just dog just dog on that this is what I'm going to be into. This is my. This make me feel good. Why wouldn't you at least go home to uh, to your, to the people who to your people who can uh, you know you can see some historicity where they say all right they've been practicing it this long, you know what I mean? And their practice you can see that the practice is different than that which of uh, the Arabs, the Pakistani, uh, Indians that you might be following. You know what I mean, why won't you just go home with it? You know, at least you know this. this Hey, oh man, I I I don't I I really don't understand, Uh, especially when those like a lot of us come through, right? We get into Islam and we get Christianity up, right? It's though this is not the this is not the period of the Islam. You know, I'm I'm -hmm. confused with this. How could you beat up Jesus but then put Muhammad out there as though he's He's real. See, it's, it's, they pick and choose. Mm-hmm. They select what they have choices of history and memory. Historical yeah. amnesia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, that always confuses me when I'm like, how could you, how could you be, you know, someone who would tell a Hebrew Israelite that he's wrong on his stance? But your stance is predicated off of his. So how is it that if he wronged you, you're not wrong? So that's what they, uh, uh, that's, uh, At the end of the day, cognitive dissonance. Yeah, very much. No, very much. Okay, let's just, it, you always run, let's run with a lie. Let's just say they are real. How does it appeal to you? Muhammad mm-hmm. was an Arab, Jesus was a Jew. You are African. No, no, no. I hope you know you're African. If you oh, didn't know on. you was an African, if you didn't know you was an African before they taught you their books, then you're going to agree with either one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, and you know, and then you, you get to the point where they can't be an African if you follow these books. You have to be you uh Hamite, you Levite, you one of these you one of these other characters out of this book. Because this is your lineage now, because you uh hold on to that as though that's your lineage, so you have to go all the way back to Abraham. This is where I'm like, how could y'all understand that life didn't start with Noah? Life didn't start for us right now with Noah over in the caucus mountain. You understand that perfectly well. 
You can say that. Because there was no such thing as Noah. There was none of this. So then how can you move from that standpoint and then get to the point of, well, Muhammad validates the, the, the Quran, validates the Bible, but it's a perfect book because it's from mouth to, it's from mouth to air from, you know, from God, man, right to, right to uh, Muhammad. But it speaks on everything in the Bible. It's a damn near, I'd say, 80, 80, 88 percent. Maybe uh, 48, family. Maybe 48, brother, right here, Rose. That may have cut you off, that little continue on. I will add on when you, when you make your closing statement, brother. No, uh, go ahead, um, brother, right here, Rose. We, we ain't heard your voice yet, so, you know, you've been, you been quiet for a moment. So, go ahead. Um, good morning. Just wanted to say that in my brief period of being lost in, in the Arab uh, religion called Islam or Islam, whatever title you want to give it, for for me it was um, everything that you had studied before. You had already broken down the lies and the comic book characters written in the Bible. You had already come to the fact that the Bible itself was nothing more than a Marvel or DC comic book, and the characters didn't exist. So, when like once you've been brainwashed by religion, the the stronghold that religion has on your mind is that it gives you the story of creation and why everything is within existence. Now, within your mind not just me, but, you know, man and woman, period, and child, when you introduce religions to man, woman, and child, it actually has a, a, a poison to the mind because what it does that once you study it, you see, a lot of people don't study their religion. They don't even know the history behind their religion or its origin. A lot of people just follow it blindly, but let me get to the point I was making is that once you realize that it's bullshit, your mind won't let you uh, accept the fact that there has to be something to replace it. You know what I'm saying? Therefore, your mind starts to wonder, well, if this doesn't exist and there's no Harry Potter in the sky and there's no Holy Justice League and there ain't no Nick Fury, you know what I'm saying, going to march you to the afterlife, you know what I'm saying? your mind starts to wander off into, well, how do I cope? What do I have to explain the existence of everything? And what happens when I die? You know, these are the questions that people have. And when they can't find an answer, they get led right back into religion all over again. So it's like for the Christian that leaves Christianity for Islam, he feels that he's found something better. Because when you open the Quran, it tells you that uh, when it says, now I give you al-Islam and that Islam is perfect, it's telling you that Islam is perfect because it's supposed to be the last word written from God that has not been tampered with by the hands of man, therefore taking everything that came before it and perfecting it. And this is, the, this is supposed to be your final guidance within your life to the afterlife, and this is supposed to be, you know, what set the, the, the last ending standard. So you get, a, a lot of them get brainwashed and caught up in that. But then you have to ask yourself, not just Islam, but any religion or any book or any text that tells you that, but then you look at the multiple sects. Now, Islam tells you there's, 70, there's 73 sects in Islam, 
And out of 73 sacks, only one of them is correct. You know what I'm saying? So, therefore, that alone lets you know that the book and the religion itself is bullshit because that's telling you that the book is telling you one thing. You know what I'm saying? But you're going to tell me that there became 73 different groups of people who took upon a religion, and out of all of these millions of people that's blindly following some bullshit, that only one of them is correct. So therefore, they fight each other, and I've seen them fight each other. They fight each other, each other over dumb shit. They fight each other over their differences in Islam 24-7-365. They'll do it from the way that they make salat to the, 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 the house of knowledge of whatever it is they're following, whether if it's Wahhabi or, or Imam Malik or Imam Shafi or, 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 or you know, any, any of them. I won't go into it in full depth. A lot of it I've tried to deprogram my brain from all of this shit, so I'm erasing my brain of a lot of it. But just to walk through, you know, the brainwashing of it, when you look at any religion, even Islam, as I sat inside of the uh, Majid and within their libraries, and I was studying book after book after book after book. One thing that I noticed is that even though the book may have a different title and it may be written by somebody else, a lot of it is the same shit over and over and over and over again. And I started to realize the pattern that you're brainwashing yourself. The more you study and the more you read this shit, anything that keeps constantly repeating itself is done for a reason. It's constantly repeating itself to get you to break with inside of whatever walls and boundaries that you have to protect you from it to make you actually become drunken in its madness. And this is not just Islam. This is for all religions that exist on the face of the planet that have a doctrination behind it with those who call themselves scholars of their so-called faith that put out, you know what I'm saying, any form of religious text. And it has to be done so in this way in order to, you know, put them the, the, the change of mental slavery uh, back on your brain. So when you look at a lot of these religious nuts, you know, a lot of them don't know the origin of what it is that they claim in, that they identify themselves with. So religion, when you don't know who you are and you don't know your culture and you can't look in the mirror and identify who you are, it gives you an identity. Uh, people take their religion... And as we can see with the so-called Hebrews, they take a language and they give their language an identity of a culture, a history, and a people. You know what I'm saying? And you can't do that because it's only what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's a language. You know what I'm saying? That would be like the Arab, you know what I'm saying, denouncing Islam and just calling it Arabic. And, and so on and so on with, with, with uh, any of the major Abrahamic religions and any other religion that's in existence that is uh, due to man-made creation. So, you know, a lot of people put their lifeline on the line behind a book and a religious title because, like I said, it gives them an identity it gives them a safe haven to where they feel if they can follow these man-made written instructions by a man-made giving God, that if they can live their life by these rules, and what it really does is that 
it puts an inferiority complex within inside of the person because it puts fear in them. It says that if they don't live this way, well, they have a fear that they're going to man-made hell and all this horrible shit is going to happen to them. You know, wake up from that shit. You already on hell on earth. You know what I'm saying? Shit is fucked up here already. So, you know, a, a, a lot of people really don't know which way they're going. They don't know if it's 360 degrees in a circle of confusion or if it's like the code of country. You know what I'm saying? Up, down, left, right. You know, ABA select start. They don't know which way they're going. You know what I'm saying? So when we look at the African versus man-made religion, you're dealing with those that have been separated from the truth and the origin of their existence of where they came from, and they've replaced that by what man is giving them into a comfort zone. So now that they've become and given themselves this religious identity, they can no longer identify with that of what they originally came from. And so that that becoming who they are, the only thing that they could do at that point, because now they're no longer African, is that they're going to attack that of which they originally came from. As we've seen recently, you know, um, I'm going to say that within the last show, even though I wasn't present, the events that led up to that, that after I really sat there and I listened, because I heard a lot of confusion, but through the confusion, I never heard a breakthrough point to say that this is what led to me doing this or this is what led to me feeling this way. And once I actually broke it down and presented it to the individual, the only reason that the individual was mad is because you are part of an Abrahamic religion and that all of the information given at the time that led to your anger and which led to your separation or which led to your rhetoric outlash or which led to your personal attacks upon the family, you know what I'm saying, that, that you're dealing with here now, you know what I'm saying, that got their feet planted firmly on the ground, is that you felt disrespected because you were being attacked for being a non-African and for accepting a... Indo-Pakistani, which Indo-Pakistanis can't stand Africans. It's all throughout history. They do not like us, you know what I'm saying? But this is the religion and the identity that you pick up. So because somebody comes and attacks you and your religion with everything that the man attacks you with was true. Now, the individual being attacked is also a person that is very knowledgeable and is very smart and can hold his own on his own square. So therefore, instead of you getting over-emotional and feeling that nobody's coming to your aid, no one's going to come to your aid when the information being given is correct. It would be different if you were being attacked and the information being given was incorrect. Then we could attack the information. But I can't defend a non-African, you know what I'm saying? Because if I come to your defensive aid, that means that I'm defending my enemy, and I can't do that. And this is why I stand firmly on saying that we as a people in the black power structure, oil and water does not mix. So therefore, atheists, those that are atheists, that have no religious ties and no belief at all whatsoever, if you want to take the title of atheist or not, and those that have religion can never mix. It's oil and water. It's always going to be a conflict. 
because your religion is something that you wear like a badge of honor. It gives you pride, and you're going to stand on that. And every time you open your mouth and you present that poisonous, you know what I'm saying, indoctrination, it's always going to be a problem. And every time that you're being attacked for that, you're going to get emotional, and you're going to get hurt, and it's going to be a problem because now you have a choice. You could either bitch up and shut up, or you can get angry and throw a blow, or even worse, you know what I'm saying, whatever floats your boat. So, you know, my thing is that it's fucked up to say it, but the only way that we're going to be able to unify as a people is that the religion shit got to go. You got to let that shit go and identify with who you really are and return okay. and return back to where we came from. Now, there's going to be those that agree. It's going to be those that disagree. Those that disagree, I really don't care how you feel at the end of the day. And I'm going to keep stepping on your religion, and I'm going to keep wiping my ass with your doctrination books. Because, therefore, a lot of you, like I said, don't know the historic origin of your religion. And for those that do know the historic origin of their religion and choose to stay in it, well, you're just even dumber than the man that follows it blindly. In the words of Marcus Garvey, Garvey said that a man that takes religion, you know what I'm saying? He sits, he studies his religion, but as he goes out, and he gives it to another person, whether if it's by mouth or if he wrote it down, it no longer becomes its original source. It, at that point, becomes that individual's point of view or the way that he broke down the information that he's going to give it to you, and that same person that he gave it to is going to do the same thing with the next person, and it's going to create a chain effect. So at that point, for each person that he went to and he shared that information and they processed that information in their brain, and they went and they told it to somebody else. For each individual out of a million people, that's a million different sects of that religion. And how is that going to save anybody? You know what I'm saying? Like I said before, religion was forced upon us. You know what I'm saying? We had no choice. While we were being beat, raped, pillaged, the worst of the worst happening to us, they forced that shit upon us. So, therefore, it didn't save you then. It's not going to save you now. Let that shit go. Black power. Black power. Um, I wanted to add, um, I had uh, attended, you know, a funeral of a friend of mine not too long ago. And it was well known amongst the individuals that, you know, that the, the king deal with that he practiced an African spirituality. However, his family, you know what I'm saying, they gave him a Christian funeral instead, you know, and um, to make a long story short, um, during a eulogy, you know what I'm saying, Reverend Chicken Wayne sat up there and disrespected every non-Christian that was in attendance at the at the funeral, you know what I'm saying, by saying some bullshit about, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, that's the only way to everlasting life. You know, in other words, telling basically everybody there that we're going to hell because we don't believe in the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And and he, the Reverend was aware that, you know, that there were people there that was not Christian. He knew that. You know what I'm saying? It was because the king, you know, he had a, a lot of different, you know what I'm saying, people. You know, Rastas was there. You know, even some Muslims came. You know, so the motherfucker basically disrespected us all. And I'm like, man, how can I build with someone like that? You know what I'm saying? Why would I want to build with someone who feel like I'm a motherfucking devil spun or something? 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You say, leave your religion at home, right? So when we together, it's black love. When we face-to-face, is unity. We all want. When you go home, though, amongst your religion, your religious people, or whoever you practice your religion, religious beliefs with, you believe that all non-believers are going to hell, sinners, and et cetera. You know what I'm saying? In any other situation, when we call it being too faced Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. motherfuckers want to say, you know, we need to compromise and lock arms with, you know what I'm saying, people like the Hebrew Israelites for, you know, the better men of African people. How can we do that when they saying fuck Africa? Yeah. It won't, go, it won't come up off of that shit. Like power, queen. You, you so okay, right. Look, look, I don't care what they doing on the corner. Or if they on the corner, on the front line every day. I don't give a fuck because they ideology has... Oh, man, what the hell? Somebody, hold up. Hold up. Oh. All right. They, they That's okay. Play. They can call somebody else. Okay. Whoever they call, mm-hmm. they need to hear it too. Because they ideology has the capacity to to mental enslave any African that hear that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be eradicated. All of it. I'll say... And, Black power. And, Black one power. Things, and one of the things that you're sitting on, Sister McKeon, is the point of the disrespect blatantly that they will do to you. When those who come up under the red, black, and green, we've given the utmost respect to these religions of perversions for a long time because I, I would say all of us have a family member who we've been around in the last year who you know we you could have just ate them up on the bullshit that they run in or how they dealing with on these religions of perversion. But you gave them a reprieve. You know what I'm saying? But any chance that they get to step on the fact that we want to live up from up under the Abrahamic faith. Because this is the main one that they really hate. You know, we don't want we want to live from up under the Abrahamic faith. And you know, it don't matter what you practicing after that. Because I went to a funeral myself when I was dealing in the nation of God with her. And the brother he got put down and everything. We had the funeral home. They having the having the thing at the funeral home. You know what I'm saying? So he in here got his, you know, he got his uh, red, black, and green crown on with his tassel on and everything. I mean, no, he got his black and gold. I'm saying red, black, and green. He got his black and gold tassel on. We all in there. It's like it got to be like 70, 80 people from the nation of gods and earth inside the, the at the funeral. You know what I'm saying? It's full. It's full of us. So now. We got a big flag out there, everything. My me and mother comes up. I mean, her his aunt comes up to the front of the joint and says, yo, um, this is my nephew and I love him, but I don't care what none of y'all say. Jesus is the way, no matter what. I was like, you know, where? I got up and left up out of me. I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even stay in there. I had to get up and leave. So I can leave this people who came up there and just, like, on some blatant disrespect, like nobody in there being disrespectful at all. We know how his mother doing. Nobody disrespecting nobody in there. But they just, they feel like they got that type of edge, like somehow I'm the supreme way and you exactly. going to have. Exactly. And I, and, brother and Boy, that's... you know how they did the brother man? The way they did the brother man was like as if he had went by the wayside type shit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he was raised up a Christian. 
So, you know what I'm saying? He will always be there, no matter what happened. Like, it was like more as if okay. instead of him finding the truth, it was like he just fell to the, he went astray. You know what I'm saying? Type shit. Mm-hmm. Get up there and disrespect the man in front of everybody. You know what I'm saying? Niggas get up there and talk about, Tom, I wear me a bow tie, man. And uh, when I go out in the bow tie, man, brothers be approaching me, talking about Asalama, uh, whatever, whatever. It, 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 it's like, bro, you could have took two seconds to figure out how to say I take them, bro, instead of sitting up here disrespecting everybody up in this bitch that's a Muslim, my nigga. I mean, shit, I don't fuck with them, but shit, if they in the motherfucking place, they come to pay their respect, you don't, you don't disrespect them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, they come to pay their respect to somewhere that they know is not an Islamic place. You know what I mean? So that's that alone right there should make you, you know, that's, they giving you a respect, so that's a respect to return because they ask. Not for no other reason than black folk like me, because ain't no crackers up in here. We ain't no motherfucking Indians, ain't no Pakistanis, whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? However you want to call me, you know, but they black people like me, they come and show respect. They respectfully come up here and come inside of a domain that they don't. Uh, have affili- affiliation with or affinity for, so, you know. But that's that. I mean, you know. Uh, well, I, you know, and I can understand. I can understand it when you go up inside their house, because you come up in my house. I was at the funeral house. Oh damn! Oh yeah. See, now, yeah, that's that. that's that bullshit. That's that. That's that shit that happened at where I was at. That's that bullshit. You're in a funeral home. You're playing a whole other game, and that's that bullshit right there. All, all day, that's that bullshit. It's bullshit anyway, but when you at a funeral home, and you, wow, come on, man, that's not, that's that's a venue for everybody. I ain't got no particular faith on that shit. But that's the arrogant, that's, that's how arrogant they are, you know, where they feel that they have such a grasp of this, Euro, uh, this European religion. They feel that it is the one thing that will set them free at the end of the day. Because, it, like you say, you give them the guidelines on how to be free. What is freedom? Who they are and where they'll go furthermore. Because that's their whole, uh, you know, that's their history. Mm-hmm. Another thing that adds to the point is that for the African that gets lost in area of uh, Islam, because of the fact that a lot of the majids that are in existence are built, you know what I'm saying, with stolen relics and stolen materials from our ancestors, that energy from our ancestors and from what's real and what's true, it's still there. So while you're sitting there turning towards a man-made Kaaba, which is supposed to be the house of Abraham, you know what I'm saying, and they tell you that you face this Kaaba and you make your salat five times a day, but let's just deal with what's inside of the so-called man-made house of Abraham. There's a meteorite inside of the Kaaba. So that means if if you're making prayer to what they're telling you is supposed to be Allah or God or whatever, you know what I'm saying, are you praying to God or are you praying to a space rock? So that means God is a space rock, right? So this is what they identify Allah as being, a fucking space rock. 
So that meteorite has what? What does a meteorite give off? Radiation, right? So if you're going to put your head to the ground and submitting to a motherfucking meteorite in a box, and you feel that you feel this religious spiritual energy, is it a religious spiritual energy that you're feeling, or is it radiation from a goddamn meteorite sitting in a box? This box that during their pilgrimage that they fight over just to touch or just to kiss a goddamn uh, meteorite surrounded by brick walls and covered in, in, in a black and gold shroud, they're pushing each other to get close to put their hand on it or to put their dirty ass lips on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, have you ever took a, a, a good look at that uh, uh, at that corner of the Kaaba where they have that um, meteorite stuck in with the silver surrounding? Yeah. Uh, it, it, looked, it looked familiarly like a vagina. Have you looked at it? Yeah, that, that is, you know, uh, something that I'm going to tell you how, uh, this, this is how when you take, it, you take information and then you put it in how you want to. I heard a tale from the NOI, and uh, what Elijah Muhammad said is that the, that's what it was. It was not that it was the black woman, but that that was a sign of black people, and that that's why they would go around and kiss it. And so then, when I looked at it and I seen that vagina there, I said, "Now, wouldn't this be? Wouldn't this be that these that these soldiers don't know what they're praying to, but because they know they need some type of energy, that they would um, subconsciously be praying to the black woman." Not knowing, but have it as as a deity. I've heard that same thing, and I've heard it put uh, a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But it would it wouldn't be the first time because when we look at the Catholics, which is supposed to be the head of Christianity, looking at the Pope, he also goes within his hidden chambers and he prays to the great black goddess itself. So you know, it's not too far off. Mm-hmm. What we want to do in the public, everybody want to do behind a closed door. Right. Oh, man. What a time. The black woman telling us to let that shit go. She's saying, look, man, that shit ain't for us. See, this is, this is a telltale sign is when the black woman get rid of, start getting rid of the goddamn religion. But she starts saying, listen, man, this is that shit. Man. That ain't for us. Because she's letting you know that we need a paradigm shift. We need something to move us that's going to have us stronger than where we at. Because that's the reason for changing what you would have as your spiritual entity, a deity, and things of that nature, where you get your, where you call upon to get your strength from. The only reason you change that is because you're seeing the need to change it. And we can hear the call from the black woman. She's saying that this shit is um, unworthy of our, of our worship. It's, you know, they're unworthy of our praise. Why give uh, all all of these kudos to those who, even if we go with it, and remember I say go with, if we go with the story, if they even exist, they still are not our African ancestors. Not the ones that you say you follow. If, you, if you're the ham people, then you cursed anyway. I don't know why you ain't fuck with nobody curse you anyway. Let's just look at the religious text for a minute, and let's look at it from a Stanley D.C. point of view. 
And then let's place the let's place the characters and the events at the location where they're supposed to have happened. Can you tell me in Africa where you're gonna find people with the names of Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Peter, Paul, Luke, John? You know what I'm saying? You didn't have people in Africa with these damn names. That that just that there alone should let you open your third eye open to this is some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Even with the Arab tries to give them Arab names and, and, and try to place them in that particular region to say, okay, this was their original name. So it doesn't matter if you call him Serapis, Serapis, or Jesus, or if you call him Isa, you know what I'm saying? Those still are African names. You know, I didn't write about well, you know, as I said, you know, I just go along with the story. And as we go along with the story, we see just the inconsistencies that prove that these things. And, and one of the things I just want to ask this family out there are uh, uh, some of the ways that it does negatively affect us. And we can see some of them by some of the things that uh, we're putting in. But, you know, it, it a long-term, it, you know, uh, religion is a long-term type of thing because normally you will start having children before you start to shake yourself in this in this day and age, before you start to shake yourself of these religious uh, attitudes and these religious things. And so we pass them on to our children. This is how our children are. You know, you go outside and you see our babies outside with uh, Jesus' pieces on. You see them with rosaries on. You know, uh, uh, they got these little beads now that they wear around their wrists. It's like a bunch of Virgin Marys. You know what I'm saying? That they wear on their wrists and shit like that. Where, rosary. Well, that's a rosary too. I don't, I don't know. I know they got one that go around the neck, and then they and then they, well they got this one to go around their wrist. They wearing that. So they wearing both of these together. And you have to you have to see that this right here is the pass down trickle effect that keeps us in the position of always wanting the Savior. Because that's the, that's the main thing about Africans is that right now they have us uh, messiahs out. We are always looking for the deity. We're always looking for some type of messiah. We're looking for someone to save today when it is you, African. The stories are, you know, the mythologies as I look at them that come from about Africa and the stories of, of old that tell uh, how we got here, where we came from, where we, we need to go, and how to get there. They tell the tales of how we are to interject that energy within inside of our own selves. And not only are we to do that, but we're also to uh, punish those who come amongst us who are traitorous and treacherous. This is one of the things that we're having. Um, we've had past dialogues with guests where there's a need to not want to punish those who have done wrong to the community. And even if the punishment is isolation, at the least they should be isolated, you know what I mean, and kept from being around us. This is what this is what is going on with Minister Louis Farrakhan. He needs to be isolated, you understand, because of the historical, the historical traitorous mannerism that he has dealt with Africans who 
are in good standings with the Red, Black, and Green Nation. You understand? So, you know, um, these, are, these are some of the problems that I'm having with how people uh, uh, strive to attack, you know, uh, the ideology of being non-religious. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and the reason why I say that, you know, I rock with, yeah, I'm an atheist is because I know that it just keeps me out of all of that believing in some shit outside of me. Uh, all of that, you know, because, this, you know, I don't understand these scientists. I, I get rid of all of that. Everybody know the universe. We comprise of the universe. The universe comprise of us. So why the fuck did you tell, telling me to look out here into the sky to go get some shit out there that already exists in me? All I got to do is pull that shit out. Now, if we got all these goddamn powers, leave me the fuck alone. Let me pull them out myself. Leave me alone. Let me figure out how to get them out myself. But don't try to keep leading me to somebody else who can do it other than me. I don't need that. That's not the type of help we need anymore. Exactly. This is what keeps us looking towards uh, what we need to link up with the... With the, with the, uh, the religion is show. full of examples. Religion is full of examples that they want people to live their life by, right? So each religion has this character that's supposed to be an example of what man or woman should be. So Islam gives you, you know, non-existing Muhammad, and then they want to use Mary. So they say every woman should be the reflection of Mary, and every man should be the reflection of Muhammad. Now in Christianity, it's the same thing. Every man should be the image of Serapis, and every woman should be the image of Mary. And then you got the Hebrews, you know what I'm saying? Their man image would be Moses, but the female image would be go back to Mary again. And then you got the Catholics, the same thing, you know what I'm saying? So it's like... You look at Africa and you look at our origins, you know, you got a saw, a set, and a Horus, you know what I'm saying? So therefore the great image would be black black woman, black man and child, you know what I'm saying? And I could rock with that. You know what I'm saying before I could rock with these homosexual deities or these uh comic book created deities. You know what I'm saying? Which was stolen from us anyway. Just, you know, put into a whole different paradigm in order for you to get lost in and shit. And the, the, the hardest part is that we can put up a good fight and we can give the knowledge to the best of our ability to our own people that are lost in these religions. But the damage of the psychological poisoning from the indoctrination from the religions of perversion is so deep on our people, it's kind of like going back to the comic book. It's like the symbion, you know what I'm saying, attacking the body, it takes over. And once it fully takes over, what was once originally there is no longer there, and it can no longer identify with itself once it's too late. That symbion takes over. So I'm going to look at the poison religions of perversions as being the symbion that created venom. Mm. 
was a very interesting analogy right there. Um, I wanted to put something in. This just is off the back of uh, Dr. Walter Williams because we are talking about the uh, religion right now. This on the back. Uh, it's on the back of the historical origin of Islam back page. And Dr. Walter Williams, he writes. The historical information I present in this book differs from traditional Islamic theology and literature. At this time, I would like to say to the reader that in order to understand the three major Western religions, such as Christianity, Mohammedism, slash Islam, Judaism, as well as the literature, the Old and New Testament, Bibles, the Quran, the Sefer, Torah, and Talmud, one has to have knowledge of ancient history. One must go beyond institutionalized traditional history and traditional religious theology. This kind of knowledge can begin to develop only when the reader realizes that the objects for these religions, such as Jesus, the Christ, the Prophet Muhammad, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, never walked the earth in human form. Man gave us religion and God, not the creator creatures. I urge you to read and study this book more than once so you can internalize and understand the message. And what is and what is the message? What is the message that our brother Walter Williams is putting forward to us? You know, it can be it can be personified in different uh, different ways, but I I give a quick hint. You know, the message and theme. You know, to me in this book is the theme of um, rebelliousness. You know what I'm saying? He put in here a theme of rebelliousness to me because the mannerism that he wrote, the uh, information, and if you just listen to what he wrote his own self on the back page, is that when we when we go into a field of study, that when we must be ready to not only uh, look into ourselves uh after we receive the, the information and bring forth our own understanding, but we will have to look into ulterior uh, places of information. We cannot stay within side of the normal scope of of, of of the of the set curricular paradigm that's already been set up. You know, they normally set up. This is what is uh, constituted as scholastic information for each subject. And so when you really want to, when you are doing research and you want to be uh, thorough, you will have to look for sources outside of the set curriculum, uh, you know what I'm saying, the set curriculum paradigm. Ashe. You know, we we going in doing nice, feeling real nice. Brother Micker, I heard you in a, in a couple of minutes. So you got anything to add on right now, family? I mean, everybody giving a good, you know, I think that was the whole point of the show. They giving a good an account of, you know, why what they see what happened to an individual. Uh, psychology is obviously warped by religion, 
and that was the intention. The intention wasn't to liberate the individual's conscience. It was to give an individual conscience something. You know, to, uh, you know, one of one of the, the the care and love that when the colonialism was. Yeah, hold on, hold on one second, brother. Um, I don't know what's going on, but somebody just came into the line. The line got some background in it. Sound like some wind blowing or something. If you could, please check your check your line, mute it, or I will find you and mute you. Yeah, but everybody giving a good account of what they see because see a lot of see this this, this discussion motherfuckers act like black people don't know history, don't know religion. We've all been fucking with this shit for a while. We've been taught to fuck with it. Mm-hmm. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different accounts. And we all come from different points of you know, geography in America and throughout the world. But the, the shit's the same in regard to the effects of slavery and the effects of the psychology being warped by Neanderthal creation stories. When you, when you look at it from that context... It, it makes a lot of sense, a lot of sense, because when you know the history, the dates between African Homo sapien and the Neanderthal, and when then you know, and then for you to take their version of how human beings got here, that's really you know what I mean. <laughs> so that has to be analyzed, you know what I mean, but. What are the solutions? This is really aimed, like, 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 as the show, the show really aimed at the women because they're the first teachers of children, and that the woman gives, gives, you know, she helps shape and mold the personalities of that child, and personalities are shaped by history. And if an individual is not telling you a certain part of your history, they're trying to control a certain part of your your your, your personality or alter a, a person part of your personality. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashe, um, I'd like to share something by um Doctor Um Amos Wilson here, um, because one of the solutions for us as a people and he's emphatic about this, is our studying our African history. You know, studying our African history will help us understand our personality and also that of the cracker beast. He says here, um, so history is no casual thing that one picks up while passing through school. It becomes a part of one's total orientation towards the world. If it were not, why then does the European sees himself as the sole valid historian in the world and tries to see himself as the only one who should determine what history is, going back to the bullshit with the Neanderthal. We are, to a very great extent, what we are today as a people as a result of believing lies, referring to the religions of perversion, presented as truth. We must recognize that this often comes in the guise of history, as those religions of perversions have been presented to us as a people, as being historical. Eurocentric history most popular, most popularly functions as mythology. 
Mythology has many functions. We, mythology often, often can be seen as a form of denial of reality. If a memory is too painful to be recalled, if recalling it means suffering, pain, shame, guilt, and other negative things, the individual may not only deny the reality of that memory and experiences, but actually create a mythology in their place. And when I read that, I immediately thought of how the Moors, how Africans who call themselves Moors, deny slavery. You know? And then how can you have somebody calling themselves a black Israelite who hates Africans, but yet rocking a shirt of, of us coming over here on the slave ships from Africa? You deny we Africans, but you got a shirt on with the slave ship. That shows you the insanity of our conditioning. That's, that's called selective memory. Mm-hmm. And as Amos Wilson points out, each time you shift to a different personality, each personality recalls a certain history. So, for example, when you talk to the Hebrew nigga, on one minute, he can't stand Africans. And he shows the personality of an anti-African, around Africans. But then in this confinement of himself, he has to admit how he got to this place. And you'll catch him in a different personality, rocking an African T-shirt. Dual personality splits right there. Because the first, every time you get counseled, the first thing you have to do is accept you accept your fate, right? So the first sign of, of, of the problem is what? Denial. A denial of certain histories. A denial that certain histories exist within you, for example. You know what I'm saying? True indeed. To add on to that, though, you know, that's the... That's the game that is utilized, though. This is how they broke us up with this religious madness. Because when you are in religiosity, what you what you deem is true is the Bible. So what what is expressed in the Bible is that there is some type of mannerism of separation of nation. That somehow, uh, unbeknownst, to, uh, uh, somehow, some way, Europeans and Arabs together, along with other Africans, found every Hebrew. Not nobody, no Hamites, you understand, but all the Israelites and brought them over here. Now, I don't know how the other Israelites got over here. You know, the, the, all these the Puerto Ricans, the Dominican, I don't know how they got here. But all of the dark-skinned brothers all came over here through that passageway in that somehow white people knew instinctively who the Hebrew Israelites were and just rounded them up and trapped only them and brought them over here due to God's punishment because they had disobeyed the laws, statutes, and commandments. And so when you have something like that, when you have a story that goes like that, it allows you to have historical amnesia because you have something that already has streamlined your history into uh, into something that you can't, you don't have to look at any longer. That you can just say, you know, with quick words, that look, man, it was just God did that. Then you have, then you don't have to take any onus on how you get up out of these particular circumstances or how you would never allow them to happen again. This is a reason why 
they are easier. There's a lot of times that religiosity makes makes it easier for you to accept those who have traitorous ideology. Because what it does, it, it, you know, what happens is, is you you forget you when you go into God did this, you forget how the European and the Arab came down, how they utilized black skin uh, people who are the weaker nature, who are weaker in their mentality to come against us, or they manipulated people in a mannerism where it was a either you get it or they get it and manipulated us into these type of um, situations. But that these people still exist amongst us who now are easily to maneuver into a situation with just a couple pieces of gold. When now we know through history that the thing to do is reject all silver and gold for them for any type of treachery against your nation because no matter what you give them, then you're going to give them return. That's heat right. Because that far right in line also, see, the individuals who are still pro- promoting religions without completely explaining our history in that religion and slavery. And what they're doing is they're participating in the betrayal of the African Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Betrayal of the African Revolution as well. Because they deny the Ma'afa exists and they deny the African Revolution. Or what you just said. What we stand so firm over here on, on feet on the ground because we know history. And we know that when we look at the enemies in history, when we look at Leopold, Leopold was very successful at penetrating the central part of Africa because he had a large number of African converts. Mm-hmm. The slave trade, like Sister Camille pointed out with the Moors. We know that the the European was successful in the slave trade because he had a large concentration of Europeanized, Arabized Muslims named the Moors. So for us to assert this and make these make these discoveries and then come to the conclusion that we don't need no religions, y'all should shut the fuck up. Y'all should really fall back because until like and I'm gonna quote Doctor Clark. After Islam had his good side and his bad side. At this conjunction, damn, I don't know, somebody got a lot of static, man. It's kind of fucking my thoughts up while I'm trying to. Well, Islam, I didn't forget what I was going to say. Go ahead. We're dealing with Dr. Clark. You said uh, Islam had good and bad, and then the disruption happened. Right, okay, 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 right, right. When Dr. Clark said, when analyzing anything, you must look at it, you must weigh it on the scales. Look at its good and its bad. And, and, and Islam got its good and its bad. But right now in Islam's history, because history is an ongoing process, in the present state of Islam, I'm, I'm still trying to gather my thoughts. In the, in, the, in the present state of Islam right now, from the 1500s to now, no one has really in the Islamic side has been able to truly explain what the fuck happened during the slave trade. And since no African Muslim is really want to step to the plate and explain it, 
This must be done like all things. It must be thrown into the ash can of history. Real talk. If we say we're not fucking with these religions because it's, it's falsifying our African consciousness, you need to go ahead and show us how it's helping our African consciousness. But you can't do that because you know it's not. When we say, hey, man, we want to we wanna start off with a nation, man, that's for Africans, for Africans only. We can't believe you when we say that you're going to be able to put your faith at the door. Because you you might, the chances are you may meet a charismatic Christian who may not be African. Or you may meet a charismatic Muslim who's not African. Who may persuade you. And you may bring that nigga home. And when you sleep with dogs, you catch fleas, family. Black power. Black power. That's the and I paint another drawing real quick. I paint another picture of an example and shit. If we look at religion, it's the earliest form of gang Because what it did is that it gave you an identity to identify yourself with, with a certain sect of a certain people. And when you look at the bloodshed that has been shed at the hands of every religion, see, when Look at Islam right now. They say that the Arab running around willing to kill for his belief is a terrorist. But Christians did the same thing. I mean, what, the, the Knights of Templar shed more blood than Islam ever has. The Roman Catholic Church has been at the head seat of mass murder and terrorism since the beginning of its existence. And when they come to their enemy, what's the main thing that you see in Islam or any religion? When they came to the people, it was get down or lay down, right? So it was either accept this religion or die. That's gangbanging one-on-one, you know what I'm saying? It's either you get put on this hood or you're going to suffer the consequences from not being from this hood or you're going to suffer the consequences of being guilty by association. Because you identify yourself with a certain group of people that got beef with another certain group of people. It's just you dealing with faith versus a color. It's the same goddamn thing, you know? Religion was orchestrated as a tool of propaganda used for warfare to keep us separate from each other to create division amongst the black family so that we would never be able to come together and unify as one. Why? Ask yourself, why is it that the world is so in fear of black people coming together as one people, putting all hatred and all forms of whatever title you want to give it that keeps us separated, throwing that away and coming together as a people and getting shit cracking? Why is it that the powers that be by the hands of these beasts have to draw up certain social experiments to make sure that they do everything within their power to keep us separated and to keep us at odds amongst each other. And religion was the perfect tool to do it because it's worked since its beginning and it's going to work to keep us separated and divided amongst each other until its downfall and its end. I say. I say. And just like my king said, you know, 
They was talking about the brother since he was a Christian when he was a young when he was younger. They made him still a Christian. Like once you in, you in. Ain't no getting out. So is they on there like a jump in? How they almost kill you? I'm gonna try to drown your ass in that water. <laughs> I mean, shit. It will dry you in that water and pull you up out of there, and then, then you hold it baptized all over. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, and then to tell a person, you know, that is psychologically damaging, especially to a child. You know, you really hurt a child's psyche telling them that, listen, man, if you don't do it right, then you're going to the hellfire. The devil come to get you. Jesus don't hey, love you. Child, as a child, that fucked me up, yo. Exactly what you just said, yo, and I can identify with that. My homeboy's moms took me to church with them one day. My parents wasn't really religious like that. They 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 didn't push religion on me like that. You know what I'm saying? So I go with them. I had no idea that they spent all fucking day from like seven o'clock in the morning to like eight nine o'clock at night doing this shit, right? So you know when they call them up there and shit and. They put the little fucking extra virgin olive oil dot on, on your pineal gland and shit and put their hand on your head and they tell you they keep saying, what is this shit? They keep telling you to say you love Jesus or some shit, right? So I sit there and I watch these people have a holy seizure and shit. And I'm watching her her clothes flying off, titties popping out, you know what I'm saying? If she had on a dress... If she wore underwear to church, you know what I'm saying? You, you you were seeing the cookie jar and all the cookies in it, you know what I'm saying? So my mouth is dropped open because I'm like, wow, you know what I'm saying? So I go up there, and he puts the olive oil on the pineal gland, and he says, keep saying this over and over and over again. Nothing happened, right? So I'm looking around at everybody else. I'm seeing shoes flying. I'm seeing clothes flying. I'm, I'm seeing body parts and shit. And in my mind, I'm thinking, shit, I just start jumping up and down and flinging my arms around and shit and just act this shit out. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to ask him. I'm like, look, man, you put the same shit on my head you put on their head. I said the same shit that they said and what happened to them didn't happen to me. Then he goes, oh, that's not going to happen to you until you get an okay from your parents that we can baptize you and dunk you in water. I say, man, this shit crazy as fuck. I'm out of here, yo. And I, I left, yo. You know what I'm saying? Homeboy parents get mad at me talking about I embarrassed them and I can never go back to church with them. I said, that's fine with me, yo. Y'all motherfuckers is crazy. Because after the shit that I've seen today, I don't want to go back there with you. You know what I'm saying? So what you just said is real. That shit fucks with you because it, they, they tell you that shit. They say, well, oh, if we don't baptize you in water and you don't get baptized and you go into hell and they start telling you all this fucked up shit, right? So as a child, you believe that shit, you know what I'm saying? And you go home. I remember going home and, and asking my parents this shit and saying, uh, and she's like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm going to hell. What you mean you're going to hell? Motherfucker told me if you don't dunk me in some water, I'm going to hell and shit. My own parents sat down and told me, you know what, don't hang around them people no more. They crazy, you know what I'm saying? Shit ain't for you, you know what I'm saying? Because as a kid, somebody telling you that shit, and you seeing that shit, like you said, it has a psychological effect on you. Yeah, you know. Now, you're saying that I remember the first time I ever went to church. I can recollect the first time that I recollect being in the church. 
my grandfather took. And he was a mason. So he sat all the way up in the front, in the front of the, of the goddamn church on the front pew. And so they, you know, they got into that thing right there where they're shouting and all that and having see they're catching the Holy Ghost. That's what they said. And the lady caught the Holy Ghost and I hauled ass up out of here. I probably was about nine, maybe. I, mean, I remember I ran the fuck up out of there and would not go back in the church. I was like, because something, I don't know what, I don't even know what it was. It was just that the way that she acted, I knew that that was not something for me. So at an early age, I had ran up out of there. But as you said, my mother and father, they they didn't turn, you know, into like wanting to go to church until I was way older. But I've seen those same scenes where they placed the oil on people. You know, I had the oil on my head. And like you said, I was looking and I'm, the hell's going on? Everybody else acting a fool. I ain't acting a fool. I didn't even say nothing about it. I just stare them down. All right. Once they finish and walk on to the next person, they act a fool. I was like, uh, I'm straight on this shit. They had to come talk to me after that about me not believing. So that was like one of the ends of me going to church. Exactly. See, no one looks like no one looks at and analyzes. We weren't taught to analyze the environment of church as being a ceremonial ritual. Mm-hmm. In the ceremonial rituals, there's behaviors that take place. There's behaviors come in the fashion of roles, the roles individuals play in the ceremony. That means that there's personalities as well, right? Mm-hmm. So. What's the personality of going to church? It's not like your normal behavior. The normal Sunday morning for the typical Christian is not the typical day. Not because it's the day of worship, but because he has to he has to induce himself or she has to induce oneself into a different personality. It comes along with getting that new haircut, which ain't nothing wrong with getting that hair done, putting on certain garments, arriving at a certain destination with a certain personality, right? Mm-hmm. A company with a ritual. When the ritual of placing, the, you know, the individual in the water or placing the oil on one's head, for example, individuals don't even catch the Holy Ghost. They they replay the ceremony of having one, right? Mm-hmm. That's really what's going on, right? True indeed. <laughs> as, as, you know, Brother Bourne giving an eyewitness account of what millions of blacks are. What the hell is going on? Because the child don't know the roles. Don't know this is a ceremony. Don't know this is a ritual. To, to, and this, and this for, for black people, it's, it's very, very sad because it's a ceremony meant to internalize the message of that myth. Who put that in place? Who said that once a week we should act out these rituals and act out the, the, the plays and ceremonies that go along with these, right? That's what it is. The first of Sunday, every month you eat the bread. Thought we was Pentecostal. I thought we was Methodist. Why are we still drinking, huh? Mm-hmm. Drinking Kool-Aid, eating bread. I thought, that was, I thought we was different from the Catholics. What's this ritual symbolized by? And, and you know, Mickey, right now was another one of those things that really 
I would never take the communion. Like, I, I remember when they used to bring that, I was like, man, I'm not dealing with that because the first time that I took it, I went and then I learned about what they was really saying. I was like, yo, this is vampire shit. Like, I was like, yo, this is some real wild other shit where you want me to symbolically drink somebody's blood and eat their body. Like, this not, this shit right here, I, I don't want to symbolically do that to nobody. I don't give a, I don't care who they are. I don't want to eat you and drink your blood. That's just something that I don't want to put into my psyche that that's of my nature. But that goes to what you were speaking on, on being a Neanderthal and them having that cannibalistic, animalistic type of nature and access that they also put those symbolisms and put those rituals right there inside of their religion. Now, see, I used to be a Satanist, too, and they had that same ritual. The thing is, is that they don't use wine. They use real blood. You know what I'm saying? Real flesh, real blood. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is that when you say that they worship the devil, they still call themselves Christians. And if you pick up the Satanic Bible and its opening heading, it still, it even states that it's still a form of Christianity. Now, the only difference that I see between the original Satanic Bible, not the one that's floating now, and the man-made homosexual perversion Bible, it's the same exact story, same exact characters. It's just one is trying to get you to feel sorry for the other. So, you know, with that being said, and when you look at religion and you study religion, one thing they all have in common, they all have the same story. They all have the same character. So in reality, how they break it down into different sects or the different tribes, you know what I'm saying, to put one against the other, y'all really all following and underneath the spell of the same dumb shit is just y'all motherfuckers want to be so more special than the other that y'all can't the hell all brainwashed by the same dumb sorcery. So, you know, for those that hold on to a religion, your religion don't make you perfect. Your religion don't make you special. Y'all got problems again, uh, amongst your own selves in your own religion. Baptists don't like Methodists, you know what I'm saying? And all the million different sects of Christianity don't like each other. Lutheran don't like Protestant, uh, whatever you call it. You know what I'm saying? Each religion has all these different sects. But y'all all give yourself the special title or the same title that y'all all want to be holier than thou and y'all all want to be holy people, but y'all can't even get along with, with each other. You know what I'm saying? That alone right there should say something to you, should speak something to you to let you know that you are following the wrong shit. And that was his intentions. Mm-hmm. They didn't give it to us to save us. So you can only control the individual if you know what it is that controls them. If a people are controlled by the morality that they've put in place, that they've learned from living in nature from thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years, and you take them and put them in a slavery situation that's accompanied with the same, the same 
yeah, keep it basic. The same measures put in place when they take animals out the wild and put them in the zoo. I'm not saying we animals. But each everything in creation has a place. The same people who are telling you about this God in the beginning are the same people who can't tell you the place of every animal. They can't tell you the place of nature. They can't tell you the place of time. You got to know a little something about yourself and the people who write things and if it applies to you, not because they taught it to you, it applies to you. Their intentions was to teach us these religions to control us. Wow. To control what they, if they, we got to gotta control what they consider to be good and bad. That's really what a religion is, to control what you say is good and bad. Mm. Mm. That's morality, right? Yes, sir. The 42 confessions of my art are confessions, really are 42 observations that African women made in nature that govern African behavior. The woman put in place 42 laws or 42 measures that are the best critiques for African behavior. Why is it coming from a woman? Who raises men? Who raises the women? The security net that secures the king to have the... I mean, okay, let's, let's isolate every... Well, this solution is time. They can say we don't have solutions. Right. Let's isolate every African child as being a potentially African king. And with that being the root of everything, it would be frivolous for us to teach the king any history that is belittling his culture in terms of grooming him to be king, right? Or grooming the queen to be queen, right? I say. We want the child to have. We want. We want a strong African warrior, and we want a strong African princess warrior on his side. Who's who's talk? Who makes these decisions? Parents. As 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 someone stated earlier, Dr. Clark made a site an analysis of the African social system. We function in terms of mega families. We've been taught by Europeans that kings rise out of isolated family systems. Two single individuals fuck and become hierarchies, and they rule over lesser populations. That's what motherfuckers think kings kingdoms are nowadays. What is an African monarchy? An African monarchy goes beyond that of the king because the kingdom consists... The, the the king has this many amount of children. The, the royal family, for example. Look, to give you a, a, an example, let's look at the Saudi royal family. Then motherfuckers, the, the king just died, but you see how they, they stretches out because Arabs Arabs is Arabs is faggots too, but they fucking more than crackers are. Now let's 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 let's, let's add an African fact to it, and let's take out both faiths and cultures. Let's take out the Islamic faith, the Christian faith, and let's take out both European culture and Arab culture. Let's look at Shaka Zulu. Who put Shaka Zulu to death, y'all? 
Did the white man touch him? Who gave him? Who gave him power? His family, right? Yes, sir. Because we talk about mega families, the king's word ain't absolute. He could, the, the families have to delegate. Do y'all peep that out? And African women are allowed to speak in those delegations. She better be able to speak there because she grooms the, the, the king. She's the one who's going to be the one really who oversee and protect anything. I, I, I think that information ain't going to be prevalent uh, for my uh, African warrior being key. See, the same attitude. See, we got African women nowadays being trained to protect their children to be good Christians and good Muslims. Black power. Black power. Black power. I'd like to share something from, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Queen. Uh, dealing with solutions, how uh, studying our, um, African history will help us to undo the indoctrination of uh, the Eurocentric institutions that have been established to keep us oppressed, such as the religions of perversion. Dr. Amos Wilson says here, I often say in regards that if there were not a direct relationship between history and money, a direct relationship between history and power, history and rulership, history and domination, then why is it that the European rewrote history? Why is it that the European wants to take our history away from us? Why is it that the European wants to rewrite our history and distort it? Why is it that he doesn't want to present it at all? Apparently, the rewriting, the distortion, and the stealing of our history must serve vital economic, political, and social functions for the European, or else he would not bother and try so hard to keep our history away from us and distort it in our own minds. Black power. Black power. Black power. I was also going to elaborate what Brother Pickle I was saying, man. As far as as far as now the black woman raising their child up to be uh Christians and, and Muslims, you know what I'm saying? Um the way I see it is, is, is that 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 brings out the bullshit that you see with these niggas nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Not wanting not want a woman to be able to speak in a debate. Not wanting a woman to be able to have a word or say so in anything. You know what I'm saying? Believing that women shouldn't shouldn't uh, have a say so in this or. Uh, if they shouldn't be able to teach uh, a group of men or something like that. You know, that's all, all the Christian teachers tell you about, you know what I'm saying, women not being on equal footing, you know what I'm saying? And and if we say we believe in in this African spirituality and the African way of life, you know what I'm saying, then we have to go back to that, to that with ourselves, you know what I'm saying? We have to go back to being able to disagree or, or being able to disagree and debate with each other on the level, but not not consider it 
as an argument or or this going to be a fight. You know what I'm saying? Because, of course, you don't want your woman out there arguing with another man. You know what I'm saying? Or going to fight with another man. But if they're debating, I mean, your woman has just as much of a right to speak as the next person. You know, we have to get back to that. You know what I'm saying? And I see a lot of times whenever we, whenever we bring on other people, they get offended by our queens because why? Because she comes at it, at it in a in a I mean it's an aggressive tone. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's a debate. You know what I'm saying? It's information. You know what I'm saying? And and they can't they can't accept that. Why? Because they mind still trapped in this. A woman not supposed to be able to tell me nothing. A woman not supposed to be able to talk or or teach. You know what I'm saying? They mind still trapped in that accord. So as long as as long as the minds are still there, you know what I'm saying. We we gonna see this constant we gonna see this constant clash because we over here treating our queens with with respect. You know what I'm saying. We treating them. You know what I'm saying. When we when we have a debate, they 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 input is just as valuable. You know what I'm saying as anybody else's. And and I feel you, brother Mick. Why we have to get back to that point? I say. That's, that's black power. And it's funny, brother, brother Tim, because the first person to discipline you on that was your mama. The first person who told you about not speaking when grown folks was talking was your mama, right? Yep. Your mama was the one that said, child better know their place, huh? I see. Now niggas, niggas get grown and get some testosterone. And now they telling women when they when they need to talk and when they don't need to talk. When men are talking, that's that's see that's 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 some psychology shit for your ass right there. Only a, only a religion can do that. Yo, brother Mickerel, you know you saying that I, I I recollect watching the movie Three Hundred, and and then the reason why I watched it is because uh, you know I heard about it, but I but I had been visiting the local comic book store and seeing and you know see that. The story was based on uh, a tribe of black men, or at least in the comic book, it was, or everybody in there was black. And the, um, the the statement that came about when the Persian, or the or the uh, spokesperson for the for the Persians, came to the camp the encampment and was speaking to Leonidas the king, and his wife spoke up and. And he, and he uh, jumped in and said, well, who gives this woman a right to speak in the presence of men? You know, and she spoke up and said, because only Spartan women have real men. You know what I'm saying? And this was, and, and what that showed, though, was that it was a, a, a more African culture type of society where the woman was allowed to have that type of um, standing there. And not only that type of standing, but also be able to make the call on what was going to be done with inside of the kingdom. Because if you look, the woman at a point in time when, the, when he, when uh, the king did not know exactly how he would deal with the Persian, he looked at his wife and she gave him the okay sign on look, you know, on what had to be done, and and it went on from there. But that is, you know, that's definitely a theme of the warrior, of a warrior clan anyway, man. you got to listen to what the woman says because she's going to dictate to you who our enemies are because she knows because she's raising a baby she can see into the future. She can see into the future what she wants to, uh, the, to, to happen 
for her nation. Right. That was an African story, right? Because listen to the nigga's name, Leonidas. Ain't no motherfucking lions in there. You know, they be killing us. For... <laughs> they got lions in Europe. They get the fuck out of here, man. Lions come from Africa. But, and Leonidas gave out that roar. But y'all people that sit out to testify, they say us Spartans come from the line of, of, of Zeus himself. Mm-hmm. And when Apollo, mm-hmm. and, when, and when Leonidas died, he gave out a massive roar. Ain't no crackers when they're all like, they get the fuck out of here. But, yeah, that war, when the Persians said, all the God King requires is land and water, right? Mm-hmm. Leonidas was the king. He assessed everything in terms of threat and capability because he was a leader of a nation. Everything that will threaten his resources, which is his. See, motherfuckers detach women and children as if they separate identities. They one and the same. That nigga said, well, well, you threaten, you come to my doorsteps offering, bringing the heads of dead kings and threatening my people with slavery and rape on my women. So we can often say that, you know, and I hate to use his language, but it was the, you know, it was the woman that that war was started over, right? Mm-hmm. That was a fictional movie. But lot, uh, people will say this in negative terms, lots of wars have been fought in the name of women. And when they and when they say that it's from a Christian's perspective, as if a lot of negative wars were starting in the name of women, a lot of positive shit came out of the wars starting in the name of women. Mm-hmm. A man's a man's honor, a man will defend the honor of his mother for crashing anything. Little children know that. When little children by themselves, they play psychological games on themselves to hurt one another, and what they play, mama jokes. That's the first thing they have to enculturate children with when they first in the, in the kindergarten or preschool. Is to not be, to you, is to punish the children for not being able to defend their mother's honor, even at the threat of a, of a stranger, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we had the same little high came to the house. Uh, uh, they're not going to tell you the source of his fighting, but little came telling you to see. He, he, he said, my mama ain't such and such. And and, and and it's sad if the mama say, boy, you, boy, you can't be fighting. You you don't know that that the fact that he shed his blood and really he beat the little boy ass, that he loved his mama to death. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to quit fucking with my baby. <laughs> you can't tell a child that. Because it's a child that between children. If the school knows that, why are they punishing the child? Because they're punishing the child to learn the child's authority that we got more power than your mama got. Mama got. Exactly. I say. And we're going to show you how much power. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna punish you for defending your mama. We're going to make your mama punish you for defending your honor. He on restriction. He had the school fighting what is mm-hmm. No, I don't know what you at this school fighting. I don't know them white folks call my phone. Ooh, because they can inconvenience you. That's expected. They fucking with your babies. But see, it's been going on so long with us. <laughs> that motherfuckers have selective memory. Amnesia. Mm-hmm. The motherfucking, the, the, fuck the fans, nigga. 
CPS, nigga, do more damage than them niggas do. CPS and religion run neck and neck. Okay, and, you know, it's that religion of perversion. Why uh African man that is caught up in the religions of perversion would have a problem with a strong African woman. That's not an, uh, an abnormality, okay? It, it is a strong African woman can't birth but nothing but a strong African man with the seed of another Afri- a strong African man. It's the religions of perversion that have our men having a problem with an African woman, period, okay? You name me one female prophet, okay? It's also the cracker beast socialization. It is the cracker beast socialization that tells us that women are inferior. In this country here, their women weren't even allowed to speak. A cracker beast will beat the shit out of his woman if she opened her mouth while he had other men in, the, in their house. That's what brought about their so-called suffrage movement. That's why we call um, tank top t-shirts white beaters right now. Yeah. <laughs> so that shit came from the Italian, beating the shit out of his goddamn wife. And that's the type of shirt he always had on, goddamn wife beater. Hey, Islam makes it okay for the man to beat his wife as long as he don't strike her with a closed fist. And it actually says that he can beat her with a miswak stick, which is a stick that they use to clean their teeth with or an olive branch. Islam takes the woman and makes her a slave to the man, and they sell this shit to you. They say, well, there's no other woman more better suited for you than a Muslim woman because she's going to give her all just to you, so much to the fact that even her voice, she's not allowed to give her voice to another man without you being there and being present. So it says everything that, that, that the woman is and has and about is all for you, but first she has to submit to the will of Allah, and then after that she submits to you. Islam puts you right back into slavery because it tells you what? You're a slave of what? A slave of Allah, right? And that's what they pride themselves on being, slaves of God, right? So Islamic religion makes you a slave underneath an Arab cracker tan devil beast. Then it takes the woman and makes her a slave. Then it says that you own whatever your right hand possesses, right? That's making you a slave all over again. Then in Islam, you're treated that way. Go into a masjid as a Muslim and go into an Arab masjid where the majority of the masjid is full Arabs. The motherfuckers will look at you with the most shit-faced look, like I smell shit and can't stand your ass, than you've ever got going anywhere else from any redneck, back-of-the-sticks, inbred, dirty-ass, filthy cracker to the fucking elite cracker, uh, Ashkenazi, faggot-ass Jew cracker, or just a just pure uh, European reject cracker. 
And the only time that that Arab, you know what I'm saying, will treat you any other wife is as long as he needs something from you, and he's going to treat you just like a slave. Then it says that, you know, another thing in Islam, you can have you you can be married, you know what I'm saying, but but you got a slave, you know what I'm saying? They're gonna give her a name uh, of a concubine or, you know, what your right hand possesses. If he wanna go fuck on her, he can fuck on her. Why? Because it's what his right hand possesses. Oh, you saying you can have like you can have a wife and then you can have concubines. So I, mean, I was into the, I was into Orthodox Islam like that. You know, my friend was the nation of Islam where it was a little different than that. And then I went to the you know, another religious based organization under a different name, Nation of Gods of Earth. I didn't, I didn't know that. And I must say this, yo, when I was uh, underneath the indoctrination of, of, of Arab bastardized Islam, I used to always attack those of pseudo-Islam. But until I got myself right, you know what I'm saying, and now that I think about it, and I had the thought of something you said earlier, pseudo-based Islam, I could understand why it was structured and now, actually, I have a problem with it because it's still a religion, but I can see how it was put together by black people for black people. You know what I'm saying? And I can understand that when looking at the origin of Islam coming from the Arab and seeing, you know, what you're actually putting yourself in, mm-hmm. what you're getting yourself into, and what surrounds upon what is called uh, orthodox Islam. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I learned in uh, Nation, well, Nation of Gods of Earth, this was something that, uh, uh, it was something that, you know, when I was I was just new to it and I was still up under that, I was up under that Islamic nonsense, you know, where the woman was secondary and all this type of bullshit and shit like that, you know. There was a spouse, they had this thing that said the moon is a dead planet, right? And they would say the black woman was like the moon. That she only had light. As man taught her something, that's the only way she knew something. Any other way, she don't know nothing. And there's the type of stuff that they that is espoused to religion that we're going to have to break away from. And in a, a, a good way to learn how that is a non-reality is by just the simple African, the, the, simple, the simple African customs and traditions that we live by, that family was first, and that the nation came from out of the womb of the woman, and that she was the first teacher. And with that, and just with that simple um, injection of a simple tradition, that would defeat the ideology that the woman was some lesser being. You know what I mean? And, and people want to build. They say they want to unify. You want to unify, and that's how you feel about me. And you think I fucking want to unify with, with any of you motherfuckers that think like that? 
You out your motherfucking mind. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give a damn if 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 our shit only got fifty people in it. Hey, for real, yo. Any religion that tells you your woman got to walk around looking like a Pac Man ghost, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All you can see is her eyes. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? That that that's enslavement, like a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Well, listen, listen, brother Hebrew. Now I've seen brother Steady. This line slavery scrap. Law slavery, witchcraft, and murder. And, and one thing that he did stress was that when that Arab put that burka and covered this woman all the way up more than that that white woman, is because she was more uglier. So you know we mm. might need to, you know, he said that a more uglier woman. He got to put a whole cage over her face. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, only in the dark do I want to see her. I only want to see her in the dark. That's why he so, uh, got so much affinity for the goat. The goat with his woman, he's in. Uh, I was the difference. You know, so oh, I, I, we don't really want the ugly ass Arab women walking all around us like that, you know. It, and that's how you know something wrong with your psyche because you live in the fucking desert. Why you got all that on? See, that show you that this religion and the, ide- and the ideology and those things behind it are culturally not Africans because that attire is to someone whose skin can't take the heat or can't take the sun beaming down on it. Nothing else. I remember when I denounced Islam and my shahada, I was speaking to an a alam and an alam and a sheikh. And um, that I brought that up to him because he was a cracker beast himself, you know what I'm saying? And he go look at me and he go say, well, I've been over there and I didn't turn it to a pus ball. He was going to say, so what you're stating is wrong. I said, but when you were over there, you were fully covered in all this shit, right? So that was protecting you from the sun. Like, if you was to take all that shit off and dress, you know, normal, that son would be beating your ass up. You know what I'm saying? And you wouldn't have made it over there that long to become an alum. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, the motherfuckers be on some bullshit, dude. Shit ain't good for nobody. But, you know, as Brother Mickerel said, you know, we're here with solutions. That's why I hit y'all with that solution. Just take a little bit of that, that African common sense on how family is ran. Look at your family. You know what I'm saying? Look at your mother and father. If you don't have a wife and child or whatever have you, you're not living in that family. Look at your family. Look at family structures before that and just see that regardless to whom or what, the mother is always the first one who brings uh, intellect, knowledge, and insight to the child. So there's no way that you could, uh, you know, in this manner, you could know there's no way that you could put her behind you because you don't get the greater from the lesser. This is scientifical impossibility. This is science. Science says this is impossible for you to have a lesser being and then get the greater being from that. So we can't have the woman having children, men and women, and the the man or the woman that comes from a father that is greater than that one that they came from. That's, just, is, uh, that's totally, you know what I mean? That, that right there is just uh, uncompre- uncomprehensible. 
can't comprehend that shit right there. How 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 does that happen? Somebody explain to me how you can get a greater being out of a lesser being. And Brother Bourne, that's deep that you say that because it might explain why we got so many uh, weak males and females out here because a lot of our mamas have been indoctrinated by the religion of perversion and as well as the European histography, you know, the mythology of it all. And um, I, I'd like to share, because Brother uh, Minkara has brought this up many times, the Skinner experiment with the rat. And Dr. Amos Wilson did a really nice job. Um, showing how, you know, why, how we are conditioned, why we are how we are, how, we, how our personality has been created by the cracker beast. You know what I'm saying? And, and he starts off here, he goes, uh, when, college, when courses in college or universities are apparently presented non-politically, objectively, neutrally, they are actually presented in the most political way. We must understand that it is in the nature of this racist culture to hide its political agenda. Therefore, it presents so-called facts and information as if they have no political connection or implications. I often try to show how making something political creates knowledge and information that can be of great value. I often use the concept of the Skinner Rat to show how the concept is presented non-politically in the psychological, excuse me, in the psychology of learning. How the rat is put in a box and can only eat if it performs a particular behavior. So if it pushes a lever, it is only as a result of pushing that lever that it is allowed to eat. The experimenter determines when this rat is going to eat, when it is going to drink. He determines the living conditions under which the rat must survive. The rat becomes conditioned and changes as a result of the fact that the man has control of vital things in its life. Thus, we can present this paradigm in a very thorough way in terms of learning and reinforcement principles. We can write a... Oh, let me skip that part. I often point out how a black student can learn skin, Skinnerian psychology better than a white student and still, as a result, have learned of having learned it, be made dumber by it, because it is taught on a race-neutral, non-political level. But I often ask my students whether there is only one way of looking at this situation. Why not look at it politically? The rat is conditioned, i.e., it reflects the conditions under which it is forced to survive as the result of a set, as a, as the result of, a set of power relations. So why not analyze this experiment in terms of power relations? Based on these terms, we may reach the conclusion that the conditioned rat is socially created. Its personality is a social creation. What it learns is the result of a power difference, excuse me, a power differential between the rat and the experimenter because the experimenter has power over the rat and uses that power to transform and create something new in the rat. As a result of the conditioning experiment, the rat is different from other unconditioned rats. It shows the effects of its conditioning. The experimenter is able to do this because the experimenter has control over the rat's circumstances. If we will go further and identify with the rat, we then begin to learn something about ourselves something of value. 
We then have grasped something that can lay the foundation for revolution and change, not a sterile bit of knowledge and information that we can't use. I often ask my student, who controls your food? Who controls your electricity? Who controls your water of your jobs? Who tells you what to wear when you go to work? Who tells you when to come home, when to leave, when to go to lunch, how to speak, how to write, how to do this, how to do that, and how are these things taught and how they are conditioned? It is by reward and punishment. You do this, you get paid. You don't do this, you don't get paid. You get a raise, you get docked. What do we have here? We see the same basic situation and the same basic principles of conditioning rats are now transferred to life and reality itself. Therefore, to live in the ghetto under the power of another people is to be created by that people. Black power. Black power on that. Queen said that's called the Skinner the Skinner experiment. I say, I believe it's C.K. Uh, Skinner. Uh, Brother McCarraca, correct me. I'm going off the top with his uh, first initials. I think it's C.K. Skinner. No, it's B.F. Skinner. Um, Burris, <laughs> Burris um, F. Skinner. Burris you, F. King. Skinner. Yeah, B.F. Skinner. Uh, the real Willie Lynch. He wanted, he's one of the ones who helped concoct a lot of the uh, social experiments um, where they start to outright kill black people. Um, like, you know, they wanted to kill us on television and kill the most charismatic leaders and things of that nature. He he brought that um, approach to the FBI. There's a reason why the government started making that approach where they would put that type of shock on the people that no matter what will kill your people right out in front of you. And with this type of shock, what it did was make the the mothers and put the mothers in fear for their children. So it it made it gave them the um the notion that they should teach their children away from any type of social activity that would garner the uh you know the ire of the government. You know what I'm saying? If the government gonna be against you, you better not bother with that. Leave that alone. And it steered our children away from any type of not only militancy, but also non-militant mannerisms of um, protest, you know. You know, you get a chance to check him out, B.F. Skinner. Yeah, they had that in one of my school books, but they ain't going to that. They just, you know, touched over the experiment like, you know, he just was great. Yeah, nah, he the modern-day Willie Lynch. He the real dumb Willie Lynch. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he figured out something. That it, definitely, it definitely had an effect and an impact to outright murders, and, you know, like, you know, the assassinations of the, of the people who, who came up. But we've, we've made um, 
you know, I'm listening to everybody. We all we've all hit very um, specific points of how religion negatively affects the African consciousness. We've also gone through a couple of solutions. Well, you know, we're going to slide up a couple more solutions and go around the table and ask everybody to give a couple of solutions to some of the things that they've been indoctrinated with through religion and also some things that they've um, seen inside of just the family in general and mannerisms that we can effectively change that with inside our own home first. Change that inside yourself, man. Change. And, and this I want to say this, is that one of the things that religion also does is it takes you away from the onus on self and wanting to make sure that you save self, save family, and then, and then save your nation. You know what I'm saying? They put your religion in the forefront so this uh, outside nation is first and foremost and without any understanding of what family is first. And so when you are not looking at family first, but you're looking at nation first, you will start to fall into the same type of, uh, you'll fall into the same trap that, that the rest of the European nations have fall, uh, fell into. You know, the low birth rate, the high homosexuality, you know what I mean, the outright disrespect for the woman. And these are things that we all have been indoctrinated with living in this situation. You know, I'm not going to be one to say that I haven't uh, said things that might have been disrespectful to a woman. And, you know, I've, I've been one who who lived into that in, in that paradigm. And now is through only through the understanding of who the African woman is did that change. I can say that honestly because I'm telling you, I was thoroughly ingrained with the fact that the, that the black man was God and that the black woman was secondary and just, you know, she just really wasn't um, worthwhile. You know what I mean? Until I had to start to revisiting some of the the history books that I had. I had to start revisiting some of the ancestors and some of the elders, you know, and mainly Dr. Ben. You know, I had to revisit the black man of the now and start to really... um, re-understand because through age, you know, a little bit of time that passed where I could start to see things differently. And so through time, I could see the the downfall of being in a patriarchal society after reading up on the uh, Caucasian's uh, mannerisms. You know, we got, I got a book called Cannibals and Kings, The Origins of Cultures, which which deals uh, primarily with European culture and the savagery and the nature that they came about, which would have a need for them to have a story written for them. Because when you're dealing with uh, a people who were only dealt in tribal type of uh, living for such a long time, they would have no written history. They warred on a constant basis. So much that they warred that they they warred so much that Archaeologists and such tend not to even delve in, uh, want to delve into the, the uh, um, into how many wars that they had. You know, just looking all over for their wars. It's just it's so many that it's you know they just like look. We rather just deal with the big. You know, historians rather deal just deal with the big ones because it's it's a constant history of war. And so when you're done with the people who had a constant history of war until they got in contact and still yeah. were a warmonger, 
until they got in contact with uh, people who were civilized, civilized enough to have uh, running nations with governance, and they started to want to acquire. They're, that's when they wanted to acquire a history of themselves. So we are people who, who have a continuous history that is just to be cataloged totally. And so that's one of the, that's one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons why history is very important in shaking off religious madness because the African history goes back so far that there's a point that these other, that these religions of perversion do not exist any longer. True indeed, brother. So with that being said, you know, we're going to go around the table and see what kind of solutions we can get. Uh, you know, Brother Tim, I hear you out there. So what, what kind of solutions do you think that, uh, you know, what are, what, are, what is one of the things that you think can help solve the, the uh, seem like, continuous problem of the religious uh, the religious negative, the uh, negative religious effect on our African country. I, I believe one of the strongest things, man, we can do, man, it is get our is our women right, man, and begin to put them back on that pedestal, man, and begin to raise young warrior queens, man. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I believe that will have a a a, a, a domino effect. You know what I'm saying? Where, I mean, once once you got the young warrior queens coming, they ain't gonna accept no bitch ass niggas. You feel me? So when the bitch ass niggas, so then, so so I'm saying it like this. I'm saying it like this, man. You know what I'm saying? The one young warrior queens will bring about a mass exodus up out of the church. You know what I'm saying? Because we we teach them the truth. They'll they'll start. They'll get up out of there where they get where they right now today are probably about sixty to seventy. 80% of the people in that motherfucker. So we see a mass of the women come up out of there. I mean, how are they going to continue to make it? You know what I'm saying? So, bam, you know what I'm saying? We got two warrior queens on the line right now. You know what I'm saying? I believe that when, when the young sisters, sisters right here, you know what I'm saying, it, that shit right there, man, will have a – it's going to trigger something to where maybe we can get them younger and younger. Okay, bam. You feel me? Get up out that bitch. You feel me? Now, shit, you have a you have a a domino effect. Like I say, where niggas can't be weak no more. You can't be weak and get one of these one of these beautiful African warrior queens. You can't be weak and get one. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't allow weak niggas to start. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the women these days letting the weak niggas get get all the pussy. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean to be vulgar, but that's just the truth. You know what I'm saying? They they mm-hmm. they have no no warrior spirit in these niggas, and these niggas is able to sing their way to you know what I'm saying <laughs> to the promised land. You feel me? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll see it. We'll see that begin to change. We'll see that begin to change. You see what I'm saying? So when, when we see that begin to change, then you see. Again, where the woman is properly put up on her pedestal, you know what I'm saying? The woman is properly put up in her respectable place, you know what I'm saying? And the men will have a will see a totally change in in the way niggas treat their mom, their sisters, their aunties, their wives, their everything. You see what I'm saying? You will see that. You see what I'm saying? I believe that that's the way to go about it. I believe we get the young sisters, man, get them up out that motherfucking church, man. 
Shit, they the ones just taking their young sons up in that bitch. They the ones taking their nephews, their sons' friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they the ones lying in them pastors' pockets. You know what I'm saying? They the ones lying in their pockets, my nigga. You feel me? Yeah. And out of respect, yeah, that, man, that's just how I see it on that, man. I think that's one solution we can go about, man. I don't, now, I mean, I think we handling that right now. We're doing our part right now where we where we are showing that this can be an effective effective thing. You know what I'm saying? We're showing your woman respect or, or being able to uh, being able to let the queens have input on on on, on things. You know what I'm saying? You you still saying? Other people is watching this, man. Other people is watching this, and man, when they see that this is working, man, I feel like it's gonna have a domino effect. I say, black power, black power, black power, black power. Yeah, I definitely feel that about the time. You know what I'm saying? I have a bunch of these top support chops about the neighborhood too, because that's definitely a strong point that you're making about some of that monetary going over here too. It's also people struggling in the neighborhood. But we're going to move on. You know, let's um, see we're going to go to Brother Rahe Roo. I'm going to go to Brother Rahe Roo. Can you, can you drop us a, a solution to some of the problems that you that you personally been through or that you've seen in the community? You know what I'm saying? Dealing with religious and this negative effect on, on how it shapes our African consciousness. Yeah, peace. Uh, yeah, peace. I have my mic needed. I had to uh, open my mic up. Um, one solution that I can give to the people um, is to educate yourself, really, you know, educate yourself on the historic origin of your religion. Um, that I'm gonna say that's gonna be the, the 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 basis and the main thing. You know what I'm saying? Know what it is that you're following. Know what it is that you're getting yourself into. Uh, look at the ills of it. Uh, look up the so-called characters and and, and the so-called religious uh, fairy tale comic book that you're putting your your faith in your life into the hands of a book created by the hands of, of, of your enemy. And then look up uh, the the events that's happened to our people since we came in contact with the crack of beast and enslavement and how that religion was forced upon us and the sickness and the acts that was uh, placed upon our people at the hands of a so-called conqueror who brought that religion to the land that he chose to conquer the people of. And I mean, if that's not enough right there to, you know, snap you up out of that uh, nightmare and, and wake you up to the realities of truth, then, you know, really, truly, it might be too late for you. Okay. Okay. We're going to move down the line. Brother Cause, you out there? I thought I seen him out there. I mean, look and see. Who's out there? 
Uh, and I see family out there on the line. If y'all want to chime in, you know, I understand. I know how it goes, you know, feet on the ground. Our people come in and just want to take a peek and just listen in. The crackers are coming in here. And just run rampant inside our chat room. But, um, Brother Mekara. Well, you know what? I'm going to go to Brother Mekara. I'm going to go to these last. Uh, I'm going to go to Sister Makia right now. Black Power. Um, well, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to agree with, with my king. You know, we really kind of need to start with with the children um, and with the women. I know one of the things I said I wanted to do the last time, you know, I was uh, I pulled up at the light. You know what I'm saying? Lady handed me a brochure. I ain't knowing what it is. I open it up. It's some damn Christian shit. I said, I need to make me a brochure with, you know what I'm saying, with the correct information and in it, you know, tan they damn religion up. So when they start handing me shit, when they come to the door knocking, I can hand them my shit. And, um, like how? That's an excellent solution. Oh yeah. Um, but also, Brother Born, I thought you had said to give an example of, um, I guess, some indoctrination. Yeah, um, I mean, if you want to give us, you no, know, what I was saying is, you know, from something from that you've gone through your own self, or something that you have seen somebody go through. But if you want to give an example, uh, and then give a solution, and that's fine. Asked me, um, it was one of their friends, and um, he got killed. And he was like, "Do you think he went to hell?" So I was like, "Man, ain't no, ain't no such thing as no hell." And so the person responds, "Well, I don't, don't tell me nothing like that. I gotta think like that because if not, then I'd be out here murking uh, people or something like that." So I'm like, "Well, so you only? Um, my question is, so is you only?" following what you following because you feel like you don't get a reward for doing it. I said, isn't it more, um, what is that word? Um, more, um, damn. Beneficial? Genuine. Genuine. Yeah. Isn't it more genuine if you, if you be right, you, um, are morally right because that's the right thing to do. Besides, instead of you just trying to follow something just because you feel like you're going to get a benefit or get a, a reward for it. And see, that's the thing about people, about us that do not follow that shit. You know what I'm saying? We're not seeking a reward after uh after life. We do the shit because it's the right fucking thing to do. You know what I'm saying? You treat people how you want to be treated because that's the right fucking thing to do. Well, human people, you know, Africans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, so really we just got to, um, you know what I'm saying, go back home. Go back to our roots. And that's it, black power. Black power. Black power. Black power. 
Well, come on in, sister. Come in. Um, Black family. Uh, for me personally, you know, I I come from a pater- uh, my paternal uh, grandfather, um, thirteen children, uh, raised the girls just like the boys uh, in terms of how to defend themselves, and uh, he made sure all of them knew how to uh, protect themselves and, and fight. And so, you know, um, I, I come from. Uh, that uh, background, not even knowing at that time that it was uh, really an African background, that it really connected me uh, to my people and to my history. And one of the things that um, reassured me that I had the same mental fortitude as my counterpart was reading about how the ancestor Tahuti was working on a math problem, and he went to the ancestor Arset to get help on it. And mm-hmm. I'd just like to share, um, uh, for my solution, I'd like to just um, share a little bit from Dr. Amos Wilson. Uh, we have a school system that is based upon the psychology of white children and white people. We are trying to educate our children in that system. They are bound to fail. The very structure of the educational system itself is based upon a white model, and therefore it has a built-in failure mechanism for us, one way or the other, the solution. We must develop a psychology of our own children based upon our own history and experience. It is only then that our pedagogical, 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 which means teaching, and educational approaches will be in line with their personality. Only then can we move our children forward to fulfill our needs and our desires as a people. If we wish to understand ourselves and wish to understand other people's psychology, we must then understand our history and their history. We must be very clear about this matter. And the second solution dealing with our BB Fahodier and really undoing the mental, um, let me say the BB Fahodier of our mind. Let me put it that way. Language and power. When we get ready to create revolution, we must redefine the world and redefine words. And, I, and I'm bringing this up to deal with the word nigga. There's no way around it. In Genesis, we see Adam being given power to name things. Through being given the power to name things, he is given dominion. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that who background is that? Hold on, man. My background nasty. Go ahead, sister Camille. I think I got it. When we get ready to create revolution, we must redefine the world and redefine words. There is no way around it. And the example he gives is in Genesis, we see Adam being given the power to name things. Through being given the power to name things, he's given dominion. There is a connection between naming and domination, between naming and bringing into reality. When we permit other people to name and define, we permit other people to gain dominion and control over us. Black power. Black power. Like, uh, well, I gave my solution earlier. 
Right. And so what I want to do is um, I want to read something out of Dr. Walter Williams' book, The Historical Origin of Islam. Um, I'm coming from page 174 in the concluding comment. And uh, this is point number four that he, he made inside his book, inside the concluding comments. If you, the human being, took God, Jesus, the Christ, Allah, Jehovah, Jawa, Buddha, or any other religious gods that are connected to a religion and, discard, and discarded them, along with the Bible, Quran, Sephirah, Torah, Talmud, or any other religious literature, what would be left? Standing would be, would be you, with your alive spirit and your creator, creatress, gave you at inception. Knowing this should tell you that your spiritual power that dwells inside of you gives these man-created words and religious name characters life. Without your spiritual power, these religions, gods, and religious literature, Bible, Quran, Torah, Talmud, would be dead. And uh, with that, you know, I, I like to say, you know, um, drop it. Drop them for a little while. Do the African thing. Put some on the bench. As African, to, as the God that you're working with is not working with you. Then you put them down, and you pick up one. Of the, go for one of the reserves. Put somebody back in the game that you weren't uh, really thinking about, and that's your ancestors. Put yourself back in the game. Put that indwelling spirit back in the game. And with that, black power. Black power. Black power. Black power. Now, we're going to go on uh, to our brother, Brother Mekara. And we're going to uh, wrap in on these, uh, you know, these solutions. So, Brother Mekara, to the things that you've gone through and the things that you've seen happening dealing with religion, how, what are some of the uh, corrections that you think could be uh, made by the people regardless of how religion has negatively shaped our African consciousness? First off, when we talk solutions, we want solutions to be the one thing that can fix the problem. So to have a good solution is to be able to properly identify the problem. If we give solutions, individuals are saying, well, I haven't heard any solutions. Then the question I will ask to them is, well, how do you acknowledge the problem? The next show was centered around giving good examples from every individual because there ain't no, uh, there ain't no uh, monopoly on the experiences individuals have on religion or other people because every people everybody's affected by other people's behaviors because we interact with other people. If we're gonna build strong African children and we're gonna give them a strong African foundation of truth to stand on, we're gonna have to assess the effects that religions have on that mind. We're gonna have to practice the selfishness. Right now it's funny because other factions are seeing this. There's, there's a fucking flaw in the American system right now that other people are capitalizing on. The question I ask is to parents, black parents, what are you sending your innocent black children to school for? If you're a Christian or Muslim, 
then I have to tell you this. The white man is taking God out of religion. I mean, God out of school. The, the gays have taken morality out of school. What are you teaching? What are you sending your children to school for? If you're a Christian, I'm going to say that again. If you're a Christian, a black Christian, you're in America, and you're a proud American, I have to tell you that they took God out of, out of school. And if you a proud Christian and you stand on the, 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 the traditional family and you stand on good conduct and morality and good human behavior and good reaction, you know, good relationships between male and female, then I'm sorry, I have to tell you that the homosexuals have taken that out of the schools too. So if they're not teaching your children about your precious God, Jesus, or if they're not teaching the children about God and they're teaching them about morality, what are they teaching their children? Why are you sending your children to be taught by them? They have individuals who are grown who are going to college. I went to college. I was 28 when I went back to school. But I knewingly, knowing what I was going myself into, I knew what I was getting myself into. We're talking about children who have no choice because parents are disciplining them for not acting a certain way way in school. That means that they're disciplining them for not having a certain behavior from their experience at school, that they're disciplining them for not taking on a certain personality that's accompanied with going to school. Is that personality going to benefit us in the long run? Has it? I have to say no. Now, acknowledging the problem, the problem is that we've been held back from African solutions because we've been taught European problems. How, can we, how are we going to fix our problems of an African people is if the, we're, we've been indoctrinated with their problems. How are African children going to think for themselves when they're taught to think like white people? How are African children going to learn to respect their parents when the system is telling them, you don't respect your parents, you just respect me? What's going on in America? Is, is being a good parent just providing shelter and food for your children that really that really someone else is giving you to provide for them? Or is being parents leaving a lasting impression in your children that, that shows in their behavior other than what they look like? Because they associate certain people with traits. Not They ain't all just physical traits. And they're not just Traits that Europeans told us were selective. Oh, they're good singers. Oh, they're good football players. Oh, they're good athletes. He's not going to tell you, oh, them niggas got traits of being rebellious. They, they have traits of being leaders. They have traits of being kings and queens. They have traits of leading their own. They have traits of independency. They have traits of unifying. If children aren't watching their children, 
and teaching their children African-centered thoughts, how are they going to be able to make these assessments to see that they are being taught to handle power or prepare for handling power? Do we think our children are capable of handling power? Why are we forcing our children? Why Why do young men, why do men marry, why do they get happy when it's a day out of school? What are they being taught in school? My solution is just like it was last we talked on our show. The power is putting, they put the ball in our court by forcing us to conform to their way of, of, of lifestyle right now. Their lifestyle right now, I'm sorry for you Christians and you Muslims, is is not God and is not a traditional family. So it's, it's anti-God and it's homosexuality. What more needs to be said? Why are you send, still sending your children to school? Tomorrow Sunday, why are you going to church? What are you looking to gain out of church other than forgiveness? What did you do wrong? Why were you born in sin? Who told you you were born in sin? What's the difference between church and a pageant show or a fashion show? Why I can't come to church like I am? Why we can't talk about what's really going on in the community? Why am I being accused of asking too many questions? <laughs> Why can't I think for myself? Why can't I can't come to my own conclusions about life? Why can't I build my own people? Why do I have to fuck with you? Why do I have to fuck with you religious cats? I don't. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power on that, man. Square business. Brother, 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 you out there? What's going on tonight? Well, yeah, I know Brother Little out there. Black Power with Brother Little. You know, he's listening in like, the, you know, like the Jedi warrior. You know what I'm saying? He's listening in like the warrior he is. I ain't going to say Jedi like the African warrior. You know what I'm saying? With his eye open. But we definitely, you know, with this with this topic right here, it's something that has been a reoccurring thing that we knew that we had to hit. Um, a lot of solutions was given tonight. A good contextualization at the end of the show. We don't have to. With that being said, we thank everybody for coming out tonight. All the listeners, the family on the, to the family on the line, thank y'all for coming out. We're going to leave out like we come in. Black Power. You know, we're going to leave out like we come in. I see all y'all out there. Uh, black uh, black power to everybody out there, you know, but um, like I said, we're going to leave out like we come in. And that's always with a praise to the ancestors. And that's praise that Turner. Glory to Garvey and long with the spirit of Dr. Talib Abdul-Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells, long with the spirit of Sister Fanny Muhammad. Of Eva Foldier. Cracker in the trunk. House nigga too. You know what this is? A commercial? Right, and you know what that means. Time for a snack? Wrong. 
I want you to do some heart-healthy exercise. Yes, you! Try some seated leg extensions right now. Just lift each leg up and extend it straight one at a time, six to eight times. I can do that. Yes, you can. Remember, every commercial is a chance to sneak in heart-healthy activity. Visit FindExerciseAnywhere.com and speak with your doctor to learn more about the risks of heart failure.